third take. It's our third take all the way through. But I we forgot had, to, we, I we had for, one location change. We did. One I think we just forgot what we were talking about. And this is number three. I didn't forget what I was talking about. I forgot to say, hey, everybody, this is Jeff. Oh, yeah. Oh, hi. So we're at your house, and uh, you've got construction. You're doing all kinds of home improvements. It's a mess well, right now. You not personally, but there's all kinds of worker bees out here yes. getting shit done. So and we had a really good uh, segment going, and then we had some air chisels. There, there was all kinds of noise. Um, and I know that based off previous experiences where I had Jeremy on my podcast a few times and he's sitting there racking the slide on his pistol and people just start bitching about what the fuck is he messing with? <laughs> so I can only imagine the power tools and they're like, what the fuck? So anyways, um, so this whole episode is going to be about the Sniper Adventure Challenge. I have been home from my uh, four-month excursion mm -hmm. in a tropical paradise for roughly two weeks now. And you're technically on vacation right now. I'm supposed to be. Yes. And it just, I don't know who goes on vacation to go suffer. You don't. You have, on your vacation, you have done team training. Yes. You have, you have law enforcement class coming up. Correct. Some private classes. Yes. You've been in the desert and in the suck since you've been back, basically. And, and... Yeah, and I spent three days of my three life days. competing. Yeah, which we're going to get to. It's been an adventure. It's been an adventure. Yes. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so about the Sniper Adventure Challenge, it's been four years since I started doing it again. Uh, Fred asked me to be his partner. I said yes, which meant I had to get my ass in shape, like to a level that I haven't seen. I'm 38, which I know is like young. Um, yeah, you're a baby. But I haven't seen this level of physical fitness since I was in my 20s, All right? Um, I was on the heavier side. I don't want to say I was, like, fat, but I was fat compared to now. Yeah, that's and, fair. And, uh, you know, I was 178 pounds of just love, and now I've trimmed off about 28 pounds of that. I'm right around 150, and it was all because of this challenge right four years ago we were eighth place and we came back and we're like we got to do this again we got to we have to win we know that we can win the next year we came in second and then last year third place this past year which we thought we were going to do a lot better <laughs> we took the third place again right second place loser but to be fair we talked about this before before the we had to change locations the scoring at the Sniper Adventure Challenge is, I would say, complicated is sort of an understatement between the challenges and then actually finishing the entire navigation of that mountain. I think the scoring can be a challenge all by itself, right? Um, but I don't know if that's what's our problem this year. I think last year we... We just wasted too much time. Like time is the most valuable thing that you have in this competition and in real life, right? You can't buy it, so you have to use every minute of it to the best of your ability. And there was a time last year where we had gotten to a stage in the middle of the first night and we spent an hour retaping our feet because there was an issue with the tape. 
And then we sat there and tried to do a fucking math problem where we had to figure out what the perimeter of a certain area on the map was. And we spent probably three hours at this one location and we shouldn't have, right? The, we didn't get the fucking answer right anyway. We should have just left. But that was time wasted. Um, so moving into this year, it was more like we have to maximize our time. Pain, you can't know what it is. You just have to go, right? And that's what's nice about having a good partner is we find ourselves at highs and lows at different points, right? Fred will be up here, and I'll be here, and he'll fucking drag my ass. And then I'll be up here, and I'll be like, Fred, we got to fucking go, dude. Like, come on. So we push and pull each other through the highs and lows. And this year, it was a go, go, go. So why didn't we win? And, you know, we'll get to how the scoring works and stuff like that. Um, but this year, it was complete opposite. We went, we went, we went, and we didn't accumulate enough challenge points. And part of that was we just didn't succeed on some of the challenges. Okay. The other part of that was time management, which was a new thing for this year. And then there was an additional part, which was, uh, you know, aside from the time management and not getting enough challenges, is we kept telling ourselves we got to read the rules, read the rules, read the rules. And we must have skipped over a part because there was an area that we didn't see which cost us. Okay. So we were, were not prepared for what we didn't know. Hence, there was 400 points left out there that we didn't accumulate. Oh, that many? Yes. Right. Now, uh, so let's talk about how the actual Sniper Adventure Challenge is set up, right? Uh, last year was the first year that it was 48 hours long. Nobody had any experience with a, with a, a sack that was quite that long. Was what was it previously? Twenty four hours. It's you know the first time I ever did it in two thousand thirteen. It was twenty four hours, and then it eventually grew into thirty six. You would start in the morning. You would fin finish on the evening after, right? And then last year, full forty eight hours. So last year I was actually surprised that after forty eight hours of no sleep, that I was still functioning, right? So I had more confidence this year going into it that we would be able to get through the 48 hours. What I didn't account for was the extra effort that we put into. And I'll get to the stories about how I felt towards the end, right? But it was looking pretty bleak, like <laughs> to the point where I'm like, Fred might have to take our score sheet and just leave me to die <laughs> so we can finish. Um, so 48 hours. And basically, it's all land navigation based, right? When you show up, you check in, you get your rifle uh, checked and tested, make sure it's safe and functional, and then you get handed your packet, and it's got mission one. Now, all the missions are just land navigation. And you'll get a card, and it says mission one at the top, and then it's got 10 checkpoints, 10 mandatory checkpoints. And then it's got some bonus checkpoints, right? Now, the mandatory and the bonuses are they're equal in terms of points, right? Okay. You are allowed to skip one mandatory checkpoint per mission. It's called a mulligan, right? 
in case wildlife knocks it down or if you're using it as a strategy you're like fuck this point we're not going we're gonna skip it skip this one we can go grab a bonus point we can go grab a bonus point right something that's closer so uh, mission one was 10 land nav points mission two was nine mission three was uh was it eight no mission three was 10 and then mission four was seven right so you got all these land nav points and then you've got at least 10 bonus checkpoints for every single mission. So you get this card and you only know what mission one is. You don't know how many checkpoints are in mission two. And when we say these missions are land nav, we're not talking going from from here, going 500 yards to here, going 1,000 yards to here. And you have to hit them. We're talking walking around this entire mountain. Yeah, so you have to hit them in order as well. So you gotta go one, two, three, four, all the way through and um, so you get this mission card, start plotting your points. Now, some years they'll have what's called a separator, something that you all have to do that'll separate the group of competitors, right? So that we're not all following each other to land at points. Uh, this year, the separator was a big ass fucking mountain that you would just literally either go straight up or... Okay walk around it's your own strategy on how you get to where you got to go and i mean let me just take you back to do you start all at the same time yep okay yep so you'll get your mission card and what will partially separate you is how fast you are at plotting your navigational points right so i get the card and i start plotting shit now we over the years have decided that we're going to print our own maps which we're allowed to do but we go with a bigger scale and we also print a satellite image with all the grid squares and everything on it so that we can see details like dirt roads trees like things that wouldn't be on a normal topography map right so now granted i'm fresh off an airplane from a tropical island that has a you know Max elevation of a thousand feet on one mountain. Everything else is sea level. Yeah. And I've been there for four months. I've been training my ass off, running, a lot of gym work. I did zero hiking this year. Um, but all at sea level. But all at sea level, right? And the reason I left hiking out of my workout program was that I know that I'm getting older and I have been reading books about one, how to take care of your feet, but two, like, what you're putting your body through in training. Like, is it helping you or is it hurting you? And what could I do to improve myself on the carrying my pack without actually having to go out and beat my knees up and and hike hundreds of miles? Because in reality, like, you want to train for whatever competition or situation you're going to be in, right? Are you, like, who's literally going to go out and hike 60 fucking miles over 48 hours yeah, with no, no sleep like it's almost a, a challenge that's unattainable for a training aspect and so right? you have to balance your training your overtraining, and the toll it takes on your knees your ankles all your joints yeah and versus exercising and training the support muscles and everything around it which which is a tough balance when you know you're going to go hike 60 miles with your pack yeah so for the workout I chose to, uh, you know, run every day, um, and I'm averaging three-ish miles a day, just, you know, trying to keep a good pace. And then I started noticing that my 
my legs would tire out, but my heart rate would not break 120 beats per minute. Like, I wasn't exerting enough for my cardio to continue to develop, but my legs were getting tired prior to my cardio. Okay. So then I had to start incorporating sprints, and then I was like, okay, how about core work? Let me, let me go to the gym. Let me, every single day is going to be a, like a group of muscles. We do chest and back. We're going to do core. We're going to do squats, deadlifts. Like it, every day was something different, but it rotated on a three-day pattern, right? And at first I started off heavy, but then I started to transition to more of like, I'm going to do 155 pounds, basically my body weight, on the barbell for squats. Okay. But I'm going to do it until I can't walk out of the fucking gym. And I honestly think like trekking up and down these mountains is what helped me with that, is pushing it to that level of I can barely walk out of the gym right now like I mean fucking my legs will not function right versus let me put my pack on and, and walk 60 miles around this little island that I'm living on right now yeah so the workout side helped I believe and you know it all kind of carried into I get here I have no elevation uh, acclimation I'm a little concerned about it, but it really didn't affect me that much. Like it did not feel while I was in Wyoming and the density altitude is, you know, hovering around 8,000 feet. I didn't feel that affecting me. But I knew from one other time that I did this challenge that sleep the night before is critical. As, yes. as anybody could guess, right? And yeah. I know that when I'm anxious or when I'm excited for something to happen, that I have Tyler a hard does time not sleep. The night no, before. I don't. Um, you know, even now, like I have to go to sleep with the fucking TV on because I have to have some type of stimulation to say, shut the fuck up inside. Oh, I like it. Dead quiet, no fans, I can't, zero noise. I will think leave about Leave me alone with my thoughts and let me go to bed. I will think about everything. There, I mean... For hours, my mind will just be like, well, what about this? What about that? You know what? What if we did this for a moving fucking target calculator? Like, it won't stop. So so you're all fired up the night before. You need to go hike up this mountain. Yeah. And probably zero sleep. Correct. Okay. So I roll into town the day prior, meet up with Fred. We go through our gear. Everything's good. And then we check into our cabin that we're staying at. And my plan is to to stay up as long as I can through the night so that I can sleep all day the next day and wake up and we're gonna start at nighttime, right? Oh. So I'm trying to start my sleep cycle late. It doesn't really fucking work because by 11 p.m. I'm like, fuck, I'm so tired. And I took melatonin, right? Oh, yeah. so you're I out. took melatonin knowing that I need to sleep. So I took two of those bad boys, but I still wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, fuck, dude, I can't catch a break. like. And that's kind of the issue is for the past six months is I have set my body clock, wake up at 4.30, run, lift. So I woke up at 4.30, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go stretch and read a book or do something. And then probably around 10, p or 10 a.m., I took half a gummy of the melatonin, thinking like, I'll go back to sleep. So I took half, and I'm like, it'll be out of my system by nighttime. So go to sleep, wake up, drive to the competition, check in, do all of our stuff. Boom, it's go time. Plot all my points, and I'm still feeling kind of like... Melatonin's kicking in. <laughs> melatonin is still in my system. So 
So <laughs> we, uh, we get our points plotted. I don't plot any of the bonus checkpoints. And I think this is one of our failures is uh, in the past, we never made it really a priority to hit bonus checkpoints. We were just focused on getting the mandatories, right? Because as you complete a mission, let's say mission one is 10 mandatories. Mm -hmm. If you complete the mission, you get an additional 10 bonus checkpoints added to your score. But you have to complete the mission, right? So our focus has always been complete the mission, get the, get bonus. the bonus points. Well, now we're not plotting any of these bonus points that we were given. So we kind of wasted effort not accumulating bonus points on mission one. Because they were easy bonus points to grab. They were. But you skipped them in lieu of just finishing the mission to grab extra bonus points. Correct. Which did or did not happen. If we had plotted those bonus points, we'd have noticed that they weren't that far away from mandatory. You could have just grabbed them. So we didn't figure that out until mission two. So plot the points. I'm like, you know, people are starting to get up and go. And I'm like, Fred, we got to go. We can't be behind all these people. So we grab our stuff. We got our points plotted. I'm like, all right, I know where the first point is. Like, I'm very good at terrain association. You know, navigation is kind of my thing. So we beat feet down the road, about a kilometer away, find the first checkpoint, and now it's decision time. Do we want to go straight up the mountain or do we want to go around? Of course we're going to go straight up. We had come up with this plan that we're just going to blaze straight up. Yeah, why not? Straightest path. Seems easy. Just So Fred starts going. Climb. Now Fred is 53 years old. I'm 38. And he is beating my ass up this mountain. Because I still got melatonin that's trying to tell me to go to sleep, right? So we get, we, we're going up the mountain, and we catch up to Murphy and Daniels. And Murphy and Daniels are solid competitors, right? They took second place this year. They beat us out. But they've won this thing, and they've won it multiple years in a row in the past. And they are just really fucking good. And the way that I can describe them is, like, if, let's say, cartoon, right? This year, me and Fred, I would call us the hare, and Murphy and Daniels were the tortoise. Okay. Me and Fred would blaze to a point. We'd fucking get our point, we'd get our navigation, we'd start looking at where we're going, and then here comes Murphy and Daniels, like, out of nowhere, you know, like, just fucking one foot in front of the other, man, they're catching up to us, like, so it was cool to see them out there, but they were always kind of around, so it always kept us pushing harder and harder. So we passed them going up the hill, finally get to the top and I see Murph and Daniels go off to the right because they're going to pick a high point and the sun's just about to go down. They, they're they're going to pick a high point and try to navigate to checkpoint two. I'm looking at the map. I see that we got to get up to this peak. If we look for the second finger. We're going to roll down the finger. It should be on the right side. I know where we're going. So Fred, keep going, keep going, keep going. We get over there, find it. Got checkpoint two roll over to another finger, we grab checkpoint three, and now it's fucking dark out, right? And Sheep Mountain is what it's called, and it sucks, right? It's steep, it's rough terrain, and at nighttime, there's no way to navigate this far. Yeah, so how, are you doing any navigation at night, or are you just, yeah, I mean, are you just, you're, you're trying to get the lay of the land before it gets dark and then just trying to kind of remember what it looked like and go knowing what i know that mountain being so brutal that 
I want to get up there and try to get a snapshot before the before the darkness comes, right? Because the reason it's so hard to navigate is there was no illumination. There was no moon out. And up on top of that mountain, there is no reference points. You don't have buildings that you can reference. You don't have anything. So if you don't know where you are when you get to the top, how do you know where to go? So we got up there, we got checkpoint three, and now it was decision time. We could go up the mountain, get to this long finger, and you could see it breaking the skyline. So you kind of had an idea, like, that's where we need to go. So we start walking up, and I had mentioned, like, maybe we should skip checkpoint four. And he's like, uh, I don't know, maybe we should just grab it since we're not struggling with land nav. I'm like, okay, fine. So we start walking up. Now, I'm wearing short shorts and, like, a runner's T-shirt. The top of Sheep Mountain is all sage, oak, brush. Oh, I know where this is going. Ouch. I left with zero skin off of that mountain. <laughs> and I was in so much pain. And Fred is like, I'd tell him where to go, and he'd start going. But he's not breaking a very good trail. He's kind of like stepping over things and moving things out of the way. Was, was this just you being worried about overheating, or was this like hot boy summer, kind of like, I want to look good on the mountain? This is just me trying to maximize how much weight I'm carrying. Okay. So... Fred is extreme when it comes to how much weight he's... His bullets are ceramic. They're aluminum-cased ceramic projectiles for his pistol, okay? Um, his pistol is ultra-lightweight. His AR... What's a typical AR weigh? I have no idea. I mean, would you say... Seven and a half to nine pounds? I mean, I have... Most of mine are within eight to... 10 pounds okay -ish fred's entire there. rifle with a scope comes in at like six and a quarter okay um his pack is all made of like parachute material i mean he goes to the extreme to the point where like every required piece of gear that we have to carry everything all of his shit he doesn't break 27 pounds of weight right wow uh, I'm not that extreme just because I'm not willing to spend the amount of money on all that shit. So I'm hovering at the 37-pound weight limit, right? 35. Um, so not wearing long sleeves, not, not wearing pants. Like, my idea was less weight, but also keep my body temperature down. Just move, move, move. So you're up on top of this mountain, just thick sagebrush, blazing a trail in t-shirt nowhere <laughs> yes <laughs> we're like halfway towards the finger we got to get to to follow it down and this is a long movement this is about three kilometers to get to checkpoint four and i stop i'm like fred this fucking blows dude he's like maybe we should skip it i'm like yes we should skip it so we turn around and down the mountain we go so i'm looking at the map we go down the mountain we're gonna hit a flat area at the base of the mountain and then this is I don't want to call it a mistake, but it was an oversight that we had where I knew once we get to the bottom, we need to head direct east, right? But the way that the mountain forms, it kind of, you know, that finger points northeast. So we get down to the bottom, it finally levels out, there's no more sage, no more busting brush, and we're just walking. We're walking, and I'm like, all right, we have to get to this road. 
Like all we got to do is walk east and we'll get to this road. Once we hit that road, I'll be able to formulate where we are and then we could shoot an azimuth to our next point. But are you following this finger northeast? Yes. Okay. So eventually it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, we should have seen the fucking road by now. We should have shot an azimuth as soon as we got to the flat ground so we knew where we directly east was, but we didn't. So we keep walking, walking, walking. I'm like, just fucking let's walk east from here. So we walk east. We finally hit the power lines. I'm like, okay, we overshot our point by 500 meters. No big deal. Look at our uh, look at our satellite imagery, and our satellite imagery has the power lines, and it also has uh, there's three power lines running through there. And it has where each power line tower is situated. So I can look at these towers and say, oh, look, we're right here. Because not all three, not all the towers are situated the same way. So turn around, shoot azimuth, boom, found our point, And now we're back on track. We maybe lost, I don't know, 15 minutes. It wasn't a big deal, but it was an oversight. And it was like one of those on the fly learning, like, let's not fucking do this again. So now... We're headed to checkpoint six. Things are nice. We're down in flat ground and we're just fucking hoofing it. Get to checkpoint six, find it, stamp our little paper, and I peek up over the road and I can see lights in the in the background. Somebody's behind us, probably 800 meters. I'm like, turn your shit off, turn your lights off. Like, I don't want people to you see. You don't want us. to give it away. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So we turn our lights off and we fucking beat feet away from that area really fast and. The rest of night one was pretty fucking chill. Like we hit checkpoint seven and then I finally got smart. I'm like, let's see where these bonus checkpoints are. Maybe we can make up checkpoint four that we skipped. So we plot some bonuses. We actually pick up two bonus checkpoints. We hit eight, nine, 10, and then back, you know, sun's starting to come up and it's about five o'clock in the morning now so is this still mission one yeah this is all mission one yeah and i want to get back to because we're we're at the end of night one we are we've done an entire night of this mission that you've been been just blazing through the challenge and we haven't talked about anything as far as gear guns anything it's literally been physical fitness and land nav <laughs> yeah. for a sniper adventure challenge. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I haven't done a ton, but I've done enough sniper challenges in my years. And I don't think I've done a one that required me to, yeah, like I had to not be a fat ass, but nothing that, that's even remotely close to what you're describing so far. We're barely in the night one. I mean, when you think about, like, how everybody thinks being a sniper is cool, but shooting is like 5%, you know. Yes. The other 95% is can you get to where you're going and do you have the grit and the guts to get there? And uh, that's kind of how this feels because we don't, we didn't actually get to shoot until uh, later, uh, later in the second day. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just typically, like I said, they use that big ass mountain to separate the group from each other. But now that we're on flat ground, we're going from checkpoint six to checkpoint seven, to checkpoint eight, and checkpoint eight was hidden on the other side of a creek, tucked up into a rock crevice. And I'm like, I, I was looking at it on the map and I'm like, I remember a point like this years ago and it fucking it crushed my soul because I couldn't find it. And uh, 
you know, again, over the years, we've learned and adapted. Now, what you're looking for when you're navigating is, you've seen those, like, I don't know, quarter-inch dowel rods that are made of, like, carbon fiber, mm -hmm. and they're orange, and they got reflective tape around the top? Yep. So they hammer those in the ground, and they're about three to four feet off the ground, and they've got a string with a, a little clamper, and it's got a special code to indicate that you made it to the right checkpoint. So you clip your paper, but you don't know if you're at the right checkpoint or not until you get back to turn in your mission card, and they double-check to make sure you got all the right so stamps. So it's got like a little one-off stamp, yeah, like a, a paper cutter stamp type thing. Yep. So one of the things we learned is at nighttime, like, again, navigating is pretty easy when you have mountainous terrain. You can pretty much, like, go and figure out where you are just by looking at the train and looking at your map. And in the team, that's your job. Yeah. So you do, you handle all the nav. All the nav is friend. me, right? Um, but having a very powerful flashlight, when you get close to the area and you're like, okay, we are within 100 meters of this point right now. I'm telling you it's right here. Bust out the flashlight and now you just, you're scanning for that reflective Look for tape. For the reflector, right? which we know will reflect hundreds of yards away if you, yeah. if you have a line of sight. So, we hit checkpoint eight, boom, it pops. I'm like, oh, there it is. I'm like, stand right here, don't move. And I'm gonna walk over. And like, as you start walking, you lose it, it's gone. And then it, you keep zigzagging and find a way across the creek without getting wet. But all of this flatland stuff that we're doing, I turn around and look up at Sheep Mountain because that's the, really the only, um, that's the best reference point you have like, if you want to see where you are, like, hey, I'm on this road, but where on this road am I? Turn around, shoot an azimuth to Sheep Mountain, write it on your map, do a reverse azimuth, and boom, right here on this road, right? You look back at Sheep Mountain, and you've got 30 fucking flashlights and headlamps, right? These teams are going to be stuck up there until the light comes back, until the sun comes up, because that's how difficult it is to navigate on top of that mountain. And sure enough, dude, there were teams that did not come down from that mountain until 10, 11 a.m. the next because day. Because they didn't get the lay of the land. They didn't get the mental snapshot before the lights went down. There you go, right? So, it just, so they're just stuck on the mountain. They don't know where to go, right? And me and Fred are just kind of giggling, like, knew that was going to happen. Because it happened last year. Uh, last year, we had fucking went up that mountain, and we made it to one of the checkpoints, one of the last checkpoints right before the sun went down. And we get down from the mountain, we look up, and there's 40 fucking competitors up there that are just lost on top of this mountain with no reference of where to go. So we know not to get stuck up there. So we get done with mission one, we turn it in, we get mission two, and now it's daytime navigation, right? Which you think would be easier, right? And it, it to an extent, it is easier to navigate during the daytime. Yeah, by default, having light should help. Yes. But at the same time, when you're navigating at nighttime, you're much more focused on the details. Like, let me shoot azimuth over here. Let me see where we're at. Let me look at the fine details on the actual topography map and see where we are. During daytime, it's like, oh yeah, we're here. We're fucking, let's Just fucking go. go, right? So we're making really good time. We're one of the first teams there to check in and uh, you know to get our next mission. So we start off on mission two, 
daytime navigation, and this is gonna take us on the other side of the property, right? So you've got, basically, you've got sheep mountain on one side, and then you've got a big ass valley, and then you've got a big ass mountain, and then you've got a big ass valley on the other side, right? So now we're gonna have to go to the other side. So we do some navigation. This time we're focused on not just hitting mandatory checkpoints, but also getting bonus checkpoints, right? We want to accumulate as many navigational points as possible because we also have a challenge card. And the challenge card has 24 challenges on it. And each challenge has got a value of 100 points. So if I remember the scoring correctly, they take your navigational points mm -hmm. and they square them, right? So if we find 44 navigational points, those get squared. And then that gets multiplied by how many challenge points that you have. 24 challenges, each challenge worth 100 points, that's 2,400 points. Do you have one challenge card per mission or is it for the whole? It's for the entire thing. Entire, the, the entire challenge, you have one challenge card. Yep. Somewhere in this two days, try to get these challenges done. Yeah, and they have windows. They have windows that challenges are open. So like challenge one through five, only open on phase B, which is 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on day two. Phase C is only open during this window. Phase A is open from here to here to here to here to here, right? The one thing that they changed from last year was this year, there was a time limit to complete missions if you wanted to get the extra bonus points. Right, those bonus, that's 10 bonus points I told you was so critical. Yeah. You're not going to get them if you do not complete mission one in the allotted time now. Even if you get all all the, the points, if you didn't do it fast enough, you don't get the bonus points. Correct. Okay. So this year, mission one, 12 hours you had to complete mission one to get those bonus points. It's like, okay, so we completed it in 10 hours. Cha-ching, right? And now we're starting to get an idea of how fast we're able to capture navigational points. What's our average? So we're averaging about 45 minutes per navigational point. Sometimes it'll be faster because you don't have as much distance to cover or whatever the case is, right? But it all averages out to about 45 minutes. Every point is what it's gonna take us. And that's kind of what helped us formulate when we would have to give up on something, right? So we do, we start doing mission two. We're going through all of our land nav points and then we get to the other side of the fucking property. We're over by this valley and we know that the shooting stations are down here. So we get to the shooting area and I believe that it's 1 p.m. now. We've been going and getting navigational points from about 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. We are three quarters of the way done with our navigational card and we want to hit some challenges. They're all shooting challenges. Fred, we cannot be here for longer than an hour. At 2 p.m., we need to be walking, not finishing up. We need to be walking if we are going to make it back to get our 10 bonus checkpoints for mission two because we still had four checkpoints that we had to find, right? So I had to make sure we had enough time for that, and I didn't want us to lose out on these bonus points. Now, you said last year they had the time frame. They still have a time frame this year? For time frame. For the, to complete the mission. That was this year. Okay, last was year they didn't year. have that. Okay, okay, so that's right? this year. So 
if it was no time limit this year, we would have stayed and shot every shooting stage and tried to accumulate as many points as possible. But because of that time limit, we, sh we get to the, the shooting area, there's five stations, and I'm like, dude, we got an hour. You can only do so much. We can only do so much if we want to get back and, and get our points. So the first shooting stage that we get to is like shooting stage three. And the it's set up, there's only, let me see, one, there's five targets, okay? And then there's a pistol rack, and the plates are like uh, 12 and 8 inch diamonds. I gotta shoot at my rifle targets. If I miss, Fred has to shoot the pistol targets, and he has to hit all four, is it four? I think it might be four or eight, one of the two. He's gotta hit all the pistol targets before I can go back to shooting. I'm the only one that can accumulate points, right? But if you miss, he's got to clear the rack before you can engage yeah, again. Correct. Okay. So we have eight minutes to do this. It seems like a lot of time, right? So the way they had the pistol rack set up, it seemed like the best option for me was to shoot from a tripod because I needed to clear the pistol rack. I didn't want to worry about seeing the target. Was it going to hit pistol targets? So I set up on a tripod. Boom. First shot. It's like 350 impact. Second target, it's like 475, impact. Third target, impact. Fifth target, or fourth target, miss. Fred, miss, 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 miss. He's got this new pistol that's ultra Just lightning his back with it. It's, it's, it's like ultra compact, it's small. I think it's a Walther, and it's not the pistol that he's trained with in the past. So he's not hitting anything. We're carrying 80 rounds of pistol ammo, and he shot all of it. <laughs> we didn't get another rifle point. So it clears pistol out, clears rifle out, or my rifle, and he gets up there on the uh, on the gas gun, and he's got to go through the same sequence of rifle targets. And uh, he's shooting two, two, three, misses the first shot, clean the pistol rack, misses, cleans the pistol rack, he finally gets a hit, but we don't get any more points after that. So I got three hits, he got four, we got 40 points out of 100. How much time we did we just spend there, right? So I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. So I'm like, what stage do you want to go to next? I'm like, let's go see what the pistol stage is about. Now, at first, you might be like, why would you go to a pistol stage if Fred has no ammo and he's not shooting his pistol very well? Because my question was, if I'm the only one that shoots, do we still get 50 points out of 100? So I get down there. I'm like, hey, you got these 12 pistol targets set up. If I shoot and clear the rack, do we get 50 points? And they're like, yes. I'm like, if I miss, does he does he have to shoot? And they're like, no, it's just one shooter and then switch. I'm like, perfect. So I'm like, Fred, how much ammo do you have? He's like, I got like maybe 10 rounds. I'm like, okay, well, I have 45 rounds of pistol left. So I'm going to shoot the rack, and then you're going to shoot with my pistol. He's like, okay. So what I did is I set up my tripod and I clamped the pistol into the top of the um, anvil head. Okay. On the bottom of the Glock, you have that pick rail. Yeah. And Fred just shot off the tripod and cleaned the, cleaned the pistol rail. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Perfect. So we got 100 points off of that stage, and then we move over to a third stage, and it's a drop, uh, it's like a drop stage. You've got MP5, nine mil, suppressed, and you've got, uh, I forget what the rifle is. It was. Yeah. MP5 pistol. Yeah. Suppressed. Uh huh. It's not fun to shoot. 
Well, there's no butt stuff. Yeah. Right? And there's a little red dot on top. Still. And then there's a foul. And it's just iron sights. And Fred's like, which one do you want? I'm like, I don't fucking care, dude. Just you grab what you want. It doesn't matter. It's both inside. So he grabs the foul. He's like, all right, I'm going to shoot from the prone. And they're like, you got to be offhand. And he's like, the fuck's that mean? And they're like, standing. No help. He's like, fuck. So then I got the MP5, and I'm like looking at this thing, and I'm like, where's the butt stock? There's what am I supposed to do with this? So it's got a little red dot, right? The target's 100 meters away, and I got to hold on the edge of the target frame because the wind is moving the 9 mil into the target. So I got like four hits. Fred got like four hits. We, we did pretty decent considering, uh, but each hit's only worth five points. So we walk away with a 40, right? So we're not doing very well on the shooting stages right now. And now it's 2 o'clock. I'm like, we got to get the fuck out. So we skip two shooting stations, and now we know that we're on this time limit, and we got to go, right? Because you got to get back, so now it's so you can get your bonus points. Yeah. It's also hot as fuck. It's like 100 degrees outside, and I'm getting a little tan, a little red, because I still have shorts and a t-shirt on. Um, Fred knows that he can't handle the sun, so he is, like, layered up. And the heat is punishing, like... I'm ready for the sun to go down. We're dragging ass. We're not moving as fast because the heat's just killing you. So we go, we find our remaining checkpoints. We grab some bonus checkpoints, and now we head back to the headquarters. We're going to turn in our mission card, and we're going to get ready for mission three, right? So we turn it in. We get our new mission. Start plotting points, and now sun's down, man. Sun's almost setting. Temperatures are cooling off. You know how desert temperatures are. We're like... You have a big... That's an extreme yeah, swing. You do, right? So now it's getting comfortable. So now it's my turn to push us to the limit. Now at this point, do you know, right? We're, we're at the end of, I guess, day two, day one, but the end of, of, you're going into your second night. Yeah. And you have two missions completed. Yep. You have some challenges done. Do you have an idea at all of where you, you're kind of at with everybody? No you're idea. Just, you're just going blind until it's over with. We're just trying to get as many navigational points as we can, and we're trying to be in front of everybody else. Okay. And as far as challenges, we have no idea what other people have done. There were some other challenges that we decided to hit during Mission 2. So when we showed up, they had something new this year called a um, Southwest Headquarters. It was another spot, right? And uh, something that I forgot to mention was... At the beginning of the race, you get two military-style duffel bags. And you they can, give you? We bring them, okay. right? But there are cash site bags. So there's two cash sites. There's one at headquarters, Maine, and one at Southwest headquarters, right? You can put whatever you want in these bags. In years past, they have made you carry these bags long distances. So you got to be careful, like, not put 200 pounds worth of shit in there. So... In one bag, I've got extra socks, extra shoes, extra clothes, like rain gear. We've got some snacks in there, uh, blister kits to take care of your feet. So we get to Southwest headquarters, and there's challenges there. And uh, they start talking to us, and the first thing is like, gear check. So pull this out. Okay, good. Pull this out. Okay, good. So one of the things... So you're mandated that you have to have certain things. This yes. isn't just, 
Uh-huh. Bring whatever you want and just try to win the challenge. Like, you have to have certain pieces of equipment. Yes. And there's a long list of shit that you must carry, right? So they're like, okay, pull out your whistle. So I'm, like, digging through my pack. They're like, where's your whistle? I'm like, it's in here somewhere. They're like, but it's not accessible. I'm like, it's accessible for Fred. And they're like, five points. I'm like, this is bullshit. No. (laughs) They're like, okay, watch. Everybody got to watch. I'm like, it's right here. I'm not allowed to use the Garmin because it has navigational features. Mm -hmm. So I just got this cheap-ass Timex. They're like, all right, what time does it say? I'm like, no, I don't fucking know. Like, 12.55? They're like, oh. It's off more than 30 seconds. Fail. I'm like, what? Holy <laughs> shit. Where were you supposed to see that up at? I don't know, but apparently it was written that you have to be within 30 seconds. That's of where you're time. supposed to read the rules that you skipped. <laughs> so we've got 10 points marked off of our 100 because oh of me. Oh, my God. We have every other piece of gear, so now we're good. There's also a food truck at this Southwest headquarters. It was a sponsored stage, uh, sponsored thing by Bison Tactical. It was a snow cone truck. So like in the heat of the day, I'm getting snow cones out of this food truck. It was pretty cool. Um, They had a like 160 pound dummy. And the task with this challenge was the dummy has to cross the creek here. You gotta walk over and you gotta cross the creek again. The dummy can't get wet. I'm like, okay, verbatim, read me the stage. What does the stage say? And they're like, the team and all the team's gear and the dummy must cross the creek at two different points to achieve 100%. Okay, cool. Fred, take my gear. And I grab the dummy, throw it up over my shoulder, and walk across the creek. All is good. Next one is uh, fucking handcuffs, right? So they tell you, leave all your gear and shit like that. I'm like, Fred, you got that fucking key, dude? He's like, yes. And he, like, I forget what he did with it. Did he put it in his mouth or I don't, I don't remember. A handcuff key? Yeah. I think he put it in his mouth. And I'm like, I'm like, what if they handcuff us behind our back? You, you gonna, you gonna spit it? You gonna spit it and what drop are you gonna it? do? He's like, oh, good point. So he puts it in his back pocket and, like, we're walking over there. I'm like, they're gonna search us. He's like, fuck. <laughs> so he, like, grabs it and they're like, okay, take your hats off, take your shoes off, take your socks off. Like, they're basically stripping us almost naked. And then they're feeling around to see if we got anything hidden. And the whole time, Fred is, like, moving this key around his body as they're searching different areas. So then they handcuff me to a piece of wood and they handcuff him to a different piece of wood. We are handcuffed to a fence. So I can't help him. He can't help me. He's got the key, right? So they're like, all right, go. And he, like, has the key in his hand. (laughs) Unlocks. I'm like, oh, thank God. Jesus Christ. He unlocks me, and, like, we got out of it. And they're like, oh. Guess we didn't search you good enough. I guess not. So there's 100 points. Win for the good guys. Yeah. Next one was uh, they got these flashcards, right? And you gotta you gotta um, identify airplanes. And I'm like, airplanes? What? Okay. So they flash a card, and it's a military plane. And I'm like, and you're just supposed to know. Yeah. Is this something you had to study for? I just recently watched Top Gun, so I was kind of <laughs> like. Uh, it's an F-14. F-18, F-14, uh, F-22 Raptor, F-35. Like, I'm spitting shit out. And finally, we get the one that I know, and I'm like, A-10, yes! And then I was like, there's another one that looked weird, and Fred was like, is that a MiG? I was like, I don't fucking know. I haven't seen a MiG since the original Top Gun. And uh, I'm like, are these American planes or worldwide? And they're like, 
could be anything. I'm like, thanks for the fucking help, guys. Appreciate it. So we guess all through. We only got one right. It was the A10. That was it. So we got, got ten. We got one. That's ten points. We got ten points. Okay. Final challenge at this place was uh, they. There's a bridge that goes over this creek, right? And they got streamers hanging from the bridge over the water. You have to go down into the creek with all your gear, walk through the streamers under the bridge, and come out the other side. So you know it's going to be deep, right? And we don't want to get our gear wet. We're not worried about getting our clothes or shoes wet because we both packed extra kit, right? So I grab my stuff, lift it over my head, start dropping down. We know I'm not the most tallest guy in the world, right? That's fair. By the time I get to middle underneath the bridge, it's up to my fucking chin. <laughs> like, I don't know how much deeper this is going to go, right? So I finally get through the creek, and Fred's like, is it worth it? I'm like, you better get in the fucking water. You better get in that water right now. So we get through easy 100 points, right? You just have to be willing to get wet. Some people didn't pack extra shoes, extra clothes. They didn't put that stuff in their cash bag. So they couldn't afford to get wet. There you go, right? You don't want to go miserable, wet, blisters, feet rotting off, especially going into the middle of the night. Yeah. So the one downside was that now that we were completely soaked, we had to re-tape our feet. So I had to pull all of our tape off, pop some blisters, get all the pus out, fucking bust out Vaseline, re-tape everything, and that took about an hour. So we lost an hour of time there having to re-prep our feet. And, but ultimately we did good on those challenges. And there was other teams not willing to get wet, so we felt like we had a leg up because of our willingness to just get wet. Yeah. So finished mission two, plot all of our points, and now it's fucking night number two, and we're going to just, like, I don't know what got into me. I, I ate too many Cliff Bars or what, but I am hauling ass. And Fred is like, dude, we are, we are cooking. And I'm like, yeah, because we need to make up time for the heat that sucked the life out of us during the day. So all through the night, dude, I am hauling ass, and we get checkpoint one, we get checkpoint two, we pop up on this mountain, and uh, it was funny because we had uh, Dave Castro from CrossFit mm -hmm. and Mike Wax, uh, he was last year's winner. Yep. Well, this is their first year partnering together. So we don't really know what their level of skill is working as a pair. So we're headed to checkpoint two, and I had not been in this area of the property before, but I know what the fuck I'm looking for. I have a satellite map. I can see what type of terrain it is. So come up over this mountain, we come down, and I'm like, all right, here's this long group of trees, Fred. We're looking for a second grouping of trees. And once we find that second grouping, we're gonna go to the end of it, and we're gonna shoot our azimuth from right there. So we're walking along this trail, first grouping of trees, and up on the mountainside, I could see two flashlights. And it's fucking Dave and Mike. And Mike. They're trying to find this point. But they're on the wrong fucking mountain. And I'm giggling to Fred like, hey, they're fucking lost. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, hey, guys, what you doing? But at the same time, <laughs> I just like wanted to sneak past them and go to where we were supposed to go. So we get to the second point where I'm going to shoot my, my azimuth. I'm like, all right, dude, bust out that rangefinder, hit that tree. It's dark out, but you can still see shapes, right? Mm -hmm. We got to go 100 meters up this mountain. Bam, range it. I'm like, that tree right there. Let's just go. Blaze up this mountain, hit that tree. Boom, our point is right behind it. 
snap our shit, we turn our lights off, and now we were traveling white light. Turn your white light off and everything's pitch black. Now we're trying to come down the mountain without headlamps because we don't want Dave and Mike to see that we have found the point. Yeah. We're only separated by seven, eight hundred meters. They're just on the wrong mountain. So now we're like stumbling down the mountain. We finally get back to the base. Get my get my bearing on where we gotta go for checkpoint three. We see Mike and Dave kind of like give up on checkpoint two. And we're just kind of like huddling in a tree, like laughing as they walk past. And here we go, off to checkpoint three. Again, I haven't been in this area before, but I had an idea what we're looking for. And Fred, even though I'm the navigational man, Fred is my pace counter. So I'm like, from here, we gotta go this direction, 250 meters. He's like, all right. So he's counting it up. He tells me we're at 100, we're at 200. Hey, we're at 250. I'm like, all right, cool. And then I shoot another azimuth. I'm like, this time we gotta go 300 meters. So he's counting it off. 100, 200. Hey, we're at 300 meters. I'm like, all right, cool. From 300, we gotta shift and go this direction. Somewhere, this didn't work because we ended up hiking up a mountain. And I'm like, this mountain didn't feel as brutal as it should have. Where the fuck are we? Like in my head, this is the conversation I'm having yeah. with myself. And then Fred's like, do you know where we are? I'm like, I don't have a fucking clue where we are right now. Just give me a minute, you know? And like, it's, it's dark. Mm-hmm. You're doing the nav. Yep. He's doing the pace. Yep. And all this, it's, we're almost sort of just hoping this fucking works. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're hoping that it works. And we get up on top of this, this mountain, right? And I can see a mountain in the distance. I can see the skyline. And I'm like, man, I wonder how far way that is so Fred ranged that mountain over there he ranges it he's like it's 800 meters and I'm kind of looking at the map I'm like okay I thought we were here but we hiked up a hill 800 meters I use my protractor I'm like fuck we're on this hill over here dude like we're not in the right spot but at least I know where we are now. yeah so then 800 meters we shoot straight over we go up this mountain that is actual pain and now I know we're in the right spot we get up to the top there's nothing up there, dude. There's nothing. There's one building with a light, and you don't know what building that is. So I have no reference on where we are on this mountain. I just know that we're on this mountain. So I'm like, the, the point we're looking for is 100 meters below us. So we got to go on the other side of this mountain. And again, should be able to flash our lights and see something pop, right? So we range down, we're looking, we go this way, we come back this way, we, we're seeing nothing. It's somewhere there, but you can't find it. Yeah, we can't find it, and I don't know precisely where we are in the mountain, and I have no way to resect our position, because there's no features out there that'll tell me where we are. So, Fred's like, fuck it, let's give it up. And I'm like, man, I really don't want to, but whatever. How about we go down the mountain 100 meters, where we know the point should be, and then let's traverse the mountain on our way to checkpoint four and maybe we'll get lucky. So we do, we drop down hundred meters, start walking this direction towards checkpoint four and we run into it. And I'm like, oh, thank you God. Like we just never went that far. Went that far away, Yeah, that far over. So we found it, we got lucky, it was a good plan. Head over to checkpoint four and again, we are hauling ass dude. Like at this point, like my knee, 
my left knee gets inflamed really bad. So going downhill, I really struggle. Our feet are blistered. Um, the heat is really taking its toll during the daytime. Like you're absorbing all the heat from the ground. So like going last year, I had zero blisters to this year. I've got three on each foot and you just got to block it out. And I'm hauling ass, dude. We get to checkpoint four, get to checkpoint five. We see Murph and Daniels. And I'm like, we got to fucking go. Like, can't let them keep up with us. We're hitting bonus checkpoints along the way. All throughout the night, dude, we were just, we were slaying it. Like, madmen, right? Pushing it to the wire to get through mission three. And now... The night's starting to end. We're getting close to completing mission three. There's 10 mandatory checkpoints, right? Mm -hmm. We also accumulated five bonus checkpoints. That's how fast we were pushing through all of these different phases to get through that night with as many points as we could. And so, and this is night two. Yep. No sleep. No sleep. And you're pushing harder now than you did the previous yeah, we're about 30, 30 hours in, and I'm probably on the verge of killing Fred. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. So I wasn't feeling it. I was so amped up to just beat, to win. Like, that's all I kept saying is, like, we got to fucking win, Fred. Nobody cares how we're feeling right now. We got to fucking win. So we get through mission three, and now... I'm starting to come down from whatever drug <laughs> I was on. I'm starting to come down from it, right? And the uh, cliff bars are wearing off. In the middle of the night, Fred had gave me like a like a caffeine energy pill, and it had helped. And I also took uh, I took I mean I forget how many. At one point, I took three uh, three Motrins, like 200 milligrams each. I took three of them, and I'm sitting there talking with the doctor at one point. I'm like, how many can I take and not die? <laughs> And he's like, well, how many did you take? I'm like, three, 600 milligrams. And he's like, how long ago? I was like, I don't know, a couple hours ago. And he's like, you could probably take another two. And I'm like, all right, so another three it is. And I take another three. And then Fred gives me a caffeine pill with some other shit. And now I'm like wired. We get done with mission three. We're in the headquarters. And Fred's like, I got to go, um, I got to go take care of some shit and, and like reading my feet and, and, refresh my gear i'm like all right i'm gonna plot these points because now it's mission four it's the final 12 hours and we've got to make it through we got to complete mission four right it's the last mission we want to finish i'm sitting there at the picnic table i got the map all laid out i got my mission card i got my protractor my map pen and like i look at the mission card look at what the numbers are find my box the square that i'm looking for and then i fall asleep and then I wake up, and I'm like, I didn't do anything. Fuck. I look at the number, I get it all lined up, and then I fall asleep. So mid-plot, you're standing over your map trying to trying to plot your And your I'm falling course, asleep. And you're falling asleep. And then I would wake up and be like, where am I? So I fell asleep like five times. Just bam. And then I wake up. What, what the fuck? Fred comes over. He's like, you got those plotted? I'm like... You're gonna have to do it, man. I can't. No, I can't even. I don't have them yet. <laughs> I can't even stay awake right now. I'm like, give me another one of those pills. He's like, says you're only supposed to take one every 24 hours. I'm like, just give me another one of those pills, do. dude. Like, we gotta get through this. Like, so he gives me another fucking caffeine pill, and 
I start getting my gear ready. Fred's plotting the points. I come back over. I'm like, all right, dude, you got them plotted? And he plotted them on his map. I'm like, all right, we got to plot them on the satellite map. So I am delirious. I don't, I mean, I can navigate, which is the odd part. Like, I was capable of navigating. But any other function that you wanted me to do, I was almost not capable. He's telling me what grid square that the point is in. So I get to that grid square, and then he'd be like, all right, it's this number, this number, this number. And I like put a dot on there. I'm like, all right, so it's in the middle of a field. I'm like, but that's the out-of-bounds zone. He's like, no, it's on a road. I'm like, what? I'm looking at it. He's like, you marked it in the wrong box. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I put it in the right box, and then he tells me the next one. Three separate occasions, I'm marking points in the wrong box. So you're so tired and asleep. He's oh. telling you where to put it. You can't even put it in the right I can't even right put spot. it in the right fucking... I'm not even in the right box, dude. And uh, he's like, you okay? I was like, we got to get through this. So we're also at the main headquarters. And then they have some challenges there. One of the challenges is get into the truck, not know where the truck's going to take you. we got to go west. For mission four to get in the truck so and that's a good thing to point out so after every mission the mission ends back at headquarters yeah and so now we're starting mission four mm-hmm. and you're just supposed to hop in a truck there's a challenge it's not part of mission four it's oh, a, this challenge. Is a challenge okay it's get into the truck you don't know where the truck's going to take you but if you get into the truck and let them drop you anywhere you get 100 points last year that truck dropped people like two and a half clicks in the wrong direction. So this year, I'm like, I don't know, man. Do we want to go? I don't know if I got an extra two and a half <laughs> clicks in my body right now. So the RO, the, the guy who's telling us about this challenge, he's like, just get in the truck. And I'm like, mm, man, I don't know, bro. I'm like, I want to like you, but if I get in that I truck really want to get- and we go the wrong way, I'm going to hate you. He's like, just just do it man what do you got to lose i'm like fuck so as soon as he said what do you got to lose i'm like well we want to win yeah so you need the points we're getting to the truck fred is in the cab and i'm splayed out in the bed of the truck and there's targets and shit back there and i'm just like laying there and we get to a t intersection in the road and fred's like tyler which way is our point and i'm like should i be honest right now or should i be sneaky are you gonna try to game this yeah so i'm like Tell them our points to the right so they go left. so that they go left. And I'm like, ah, just be honest, fuck it. I'm like, oh, our points to the left, because it was. It was to the left. And the truck turns left. I'm like, what's going on? And Fred's like, he said he'll drive us anywhere we want to go for a mile and a half. I'm like, get the fuck oh, out. Shit. <laughs> so I'm like looking at the map so, and like where so we are. It's it's blind faith. Get in the truck. Yeah. You get the points regardless. Yep. And you don't know if they're going to help you or hurt you. Yeah. So, like, we're driving towards our first point. I'm like, mile and a half. Oh, fuck. You drop us right at checkpoint one. So, I'm like, we're going. I'm like, all right, next cattle grate, stop. We stop, hop out. There's our fucking checkpoint right there on the road. I'm like, fucking amazing, dude. So, we actually, like, anybody that had blind faith to just jump in the truck, they got a ride to anywhere they want to go. And they got 100 points. For a mile and a half, and they got 100 points. So, now... We're walking on the road, and this is a part of the area where off of the road is out of limits. So you're basically just walking the road to get some miles in, and there's a few checkpoints scattered along this road. So it's not like the navigational part's hard, because 
you can't go into other people's property. You can only be on the road. So we're just hiking. And now, because I knew what my condition was before we left, I put two camelbacks inside my pack and I'm just, it's a constant drink. Like, I don't think I stopped drinking for like two miles because I knew that I was on the verge of being a heat casualty, like dehydrated. We had packed pizza, but remember I told you there was two cash bags? Yeah. We put all of our pizza in cash bag two. We only saw cash bag two for 30 minutes and we never saw it again. So all that pizza that we had planned on eating and being fat and happy, we didn't have. It was just sitting in your cash bag. It was just cliff bars and fucking sugar. So like you're dehydrated, you're malnutrition. I'm fighting fucking like deliriousness. I'm hearing voices, I'm seeing shit. And Fred's like, you are fucked up. And I'm like, dude, I know. Let's just go. And you're and you're well prepared for this. Yeah. So and that's something to point out is it's not like you just kind of went willy-nilly and just like, you know, I like worked out a little bit and kind of got ready and hopefully I had good stuff. You were really prepared, which means there had to be some teams that are way worse off than you. Probably. I mean, I don't really I don't know what the other teams look like except for teams that could keep up with us. So, like, Daniels and Murphy, dudes were solid, right? But you knew that they were hurting. You could see it in the way that they walked, their feet, like, just their mannerisms. Like, we're all tired. If you're up in the front with us, which there was three of us. You had the uh, the two guys, John and his partner. You had Murphy and Daniels, and then you had me and Fred. If you're one of us three, we know how each other's feeling. I don't know how anybody else is feeling. I don't know what their level of preparation was, like... But I can only assume that it's equal or worse than we are. And mentally, that's got to help a little bit, seeing the guys that are up there with you hurting basically just as bad. So in yeah. your head, it's like, okay, we're doing, we're doing fine. Yeah. And it also, it's that extra little, like, don't be a bitch. You know, like, uh, dude asked me, like, oh, is your knee hurting? I'm like, yeah, it fucking hurts. He's like, oh, you're walking so good. I'm like, it's because I can't let it affect me. I cannot feel that knee pain until this is over. And then I'll go cry in a corner somewhere. So we're on mission four, walking this road. We find point one, two, and three. We get a, a bonus checkpoint. And then this is where the tricky part comes. We got a little bit of a long walk. We cut across the field. And now we're back into the area where you can kind of roam freely. And we get back to that Southwest headquarters. We stop underneath of a tree, five minute break. I like, I just need to get out of the sun. Five minute break, I'm like, all right, dude, let's fucking go. We push over to Southwest headquarters and there's a point that we gotta grab. You weren't allowed to jump over the mountain because it was in the middle of the uh, shooting area. So obviously you can't walk down range because people are shooting. Yeah. So I go over to the Southwest headquarters, I'm like, hey, is the mountain free for us to jump over now? And they're like, no, there's shooting going on. I'm like, who the fuck is shooting? It's the, it's the last half day of the competition. Who's shooting right now? And they're like, well, there's three shooting stations open over, over there. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, it said phase B closed yesterday at 7 p.m. They're like, oh, this is phase D. I'm like, what the fuck is phase D? <laughs> so there's three shooting stations going on. Just go back to the rule book you didn't read. <laughs> yes. And we're not prepared. 
Like, we have the minimum amount of ammo that we have to carry on us, which is like a magazine of a couple pistol rounds and a magazine of rifle. And you're not allowed to shoot that. You just have to have it. I mean, you can shoot it, but it was part of the, like, you will carry, uh, as the rifle shooter, you will have one magazine, and as a carbine shooter, you will have three magazines. And then you both will have at least uh, one pistol mag. So we had the minimum, which was I have a mag, a rifle mag, and I have like three rounds in it. And then I have a pistol mag, and I have like two rounds in it. It didn't say that they had to be all the way full. We're on the last leg of this fucking competition, and we are trying to shed every ounce of weight that we can. So it's like, well, we don't need all this ammo. Shooting's done. We don't need this. We don't need <laughs> that, right? <laughs> fucking, these are all things not on the mandatory gear list, so why would I carry them? And then we get over there, and they're shooting stations. And I'm like, and Fred's like, you want to do them? I'm like, with what? You want to throw yes. fucking rocks at them? Like, seven bullets. What? He's like, should we go back? I'm like, uh-uh. No. Can't go back. Can't go back. And he's like, you're right. So we had to skip three shooting stations oh, that were there. That had to hurt. <laughs> so go out, grab our checkpoint, come back, fucking wrap around the mountain, and now it's another long-ass fucking walk. We get to this point, find the checkpoint. I think this is like checkpoint number five now. And I'm sitting there at checkpoint number five. It sits on a little hill. And I'm like, give me your binos. He's like, give me the binos. And I'm like looking at the map, shoot my azimuth, use my compass, line it up, bust out the binos. I'm like, okay, based on the map, based on the azimuth, everything. I'm like, do you see that mountain in the distance over there? He's like, yeah. I'm like, do you see like there's grass and then sagebrush and then a wall of rocks that kind of weird wraps around the mountain? He's like, yeah. I was like, the point is in those rocks. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, I am positive. He's like, okay. So we hike over there. I'm moving a lot slower than he is. So when we get to the base of the mountain, he's starting to move ahead of me to get to that point. So now we're like 20 meters apart. And I'm like looking up at him I'm like, did you find it? He's like, yeah, it's right here. I'm like, oh, thank God. I didn't want to go the last 20 meters. <laughs> so we come back down. We shoot across. We find the last point. And I'm like, dude, we're fucking home free, man. We got... Two bonus checkpoints that we can grab on the way back, and we are done. So we do. We fucking grab those. We hike up over the mountain, and it's just like gritting it out now, right? Our goal was to be back by 4 p.m. so that we could have an hour to do the remaining challenges that were at headquarters. We get back at like 4.15, like whatever, let's do this. So the remaining challenges. One, you had to sit down, kind of like me and you are, and we had to talk to these two guys and they're like, did you notice any people that were out there trying to feed you false information? And I'm sitting there like, feed us false information? What? Like, I don't remember seeing anybody out there because I was too focused on, like, doing what I'm supposed to do. I wasn't chatting with anybody. And Fred's like, yeah, we saw you guys out there. And they're like, dang, 100 points. I'm like, yeah, what Fred said. <laughs> yeah. Whatever Fred said. <laughs> and uh, Did you, were you so tired you didn't remember seeing them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, didn't even realize that they had been out on the course pretending to be competitors. So Fred was like, yeah, you guys. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. So then another challenge. Here is a telephone pole. Use whatever gear that you have to cut a piece of the telephone pole off. A telephone pole? Yeah. I'm like, 
We don't have any fucking gear that will cut a telephone pole. Skip. Here is these math problems. And it's like, you read the top of the paper, it's like University of Massachusetts or some shit. Entrance placement exam. And like, you're reading these math problems, and I'm like... So an MIT math placement exam. I don't exam. know if it was MIT, <laughs> but it was a university, and it's a placement test. And it's 10 <laughs> questions, and like, come to find out, like, you got question number one, and you read it, and then there's A, B, C, and D. Well, you're supposed to solve A, B, C, and D, not circle one of them. It's not multiple choice. I thought it was multiple solve. choice, and I'm like, 25% chance I'm going to get this right, <laughs> motherfucker. Right? So I'm selecting, right? And then there's one question where it's like, repeat the sequence. So I'm like looking at the sequence, and I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'm going to do that one. That's the only question I got right. Every other question, you were supposed to solve each. Solve for the problem. Yeah. She's like, these aren't multiple choice. I'm like, A for effort? Like... I don't know. So we epically failed on the math problems, and they were... And these are the end of Mission 4, so everybody's already... I'm not even thinking properly. Everyone's already beat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Fred has got a piece of paper, and I don't know what he actually did. I just got handed his work, and I had to solve the code that he wrote down based off of what he was given. I'm like, okay, so I'm, like, reading this cipher, and, like, we got the code right, and everything's good. We got 100 points, right? And that's pretty much it. Now it's fucking, the match is over. We are done. We completed all four missions. We've done every challenge that we could. We felt good. We had 84 checkpoints that we found. That's going to get squared, and that's going to get multiplied by how many challenge Challenges. points we want. And we're like, okay, how many challenge points do we have? We're like, well, um... We think we have around 1,300, which was correct. We were, like, right at 1,290 or something like that. We do the math. We're like, we got 101,000 fucking points, dude. It's sick. Yeah. So come to find out, like, it wasn't quite enough. Uh, the winning team had uh, 105,000. Second place had 101,000, and we had done our math slightly wrong. We didn't break the 100,000 mark, so we came in third. But this is where the tricky part was, because last year we focused on doing every challenge and gaining as many challenge points as we could. This year we knew that the heavy lean had to be on navigation, because you think about it, you're going to take navigation points they're going to get squared, and then they're going to get multiplied by your challenge points. So obviously, the more navigation points you have, the better you think you'll be. Murphy and Daniels didn't have as many checkpoints as we did because they didn't complete Mission 4. So they didn't get those 10 bonus points, right? But they had racked up a few hundred more challenge points challenge than we points did. And they ended up beating us because they had more challenges than we did. So ultimately, like... Where do you go from here? Like, how do you look at a performance that me personally, I don't think I've felt that close to death ever. Well, and we've talked, we've talked about this before, and, and we'll go into it more here in a second because I'm going to use the head and come back. Every year, it seems like the scoring criteria changes, and you don't know quite what to focus on. So you can mentally prepare for we're going to hit all these navs in so many hours and we're going to, or we're going to do these, but you don't really know until 
you almost can't prepare for how you need to game this. Yeah. Because everybody can, not everybody, you guys can finish it, you guys can finish the top, but how do you game it to get those last extra points to come in first? Time is your most valuable commodity that you don't have extra of, right? So, like, we can sit there and say, like, well, you had those three shooting stations you didn't shoot. And it's like, yeah, we did have those. But if we would have shot those shooting stages, would we have made it back to finish the challenges at headquarters? We wouldn't have made it by 4 o'clock. Yeah, and that was 100 points That was at least. That was, one, that was multiple hundreds of points, yeah. right? So you can nitpick it, but then... You shoot the shooting stages, you don't make it back in time, right? If you really fuck up, and that's the, that's always the thing, is like what you want to think that you're going to find every point almost immediately once you get in that area, but there are points that will fuck you up. So you have to account for like what if one of these navigational points sets us back 30 or 40 minutes? Like we have to be prepared for that, especially because now these missions have time limits, and if you don't make the time limit you don't get the bonus points you're like fuck right do you think if there was no time limit this year it would have changed the outcome for you guys specifically Mm, i haven't really thought about it like i really liked the, the time limit aspect of it i felt like it added an additional challenge to you and it forced us to focus on the navigational piece because we were so dead set on getting that the mission completion bonus. I think without the time limits, I'd be curious if we would have completed all the missions because we would have wanted to stay for more shooting. Okay. Like, hey, we got five shooting stations. We're here, let's fucking shoot them all. Well, what does that set us back? It sets us back two hours, two and a half hours to get through all of it. Well, now we're, we're rolling into mission three in pure darkness instead of having a little bit of light to get started on our journey. So it may have almost forced you to act right and finish the mission instead of milling around trying to get the extra points on the challenges because now there's a time limit yeah. and it sort of forced your hand to, yeah. to finish the mission. 100%. I think the time limit definitely dictated our ability to hit challenges because we were not going to lose out on bonus points if we knew everybody else everybody else can go and do as many challenges as they want but ultimately like if you don't have nearly the same amount of challenge points or uh, sorry navigation points as we do you're not going to be anywhere close to our point total right murphy and daniels they were close to us even though they didn't get mission four completion bonus they were still close enough to us with all the other missions that their challenges and their mission checkpoints was enough for them to win. And they're great competitors. They're, they're solid dudes. And then you got John, him and his partner are solid dudes too, right? So like... Well, and I think we have to we have to also look at... So for the last... We'll say the last three years, right? We come in... We come in second. Second? And then third, come in third. third. And yep. then come in third. So these are all... Realistically, these are all podium finishes. Right? They are, yeah, yeah. Out of how many teams? 40? Uh, I guess it depends on the year. This year, I think there was only 20 teams. But that's still a lot of... It's, it's still 40 people, right? It's 20 yeah, teams, yeah. whatever it is. 
So now we're looking at, at nuance. What do we do? Because you're already at the top. Like whether you want to say it or not, you're already elite in, in at, at this competition. So how do you break that last little that's, where's the nuance? Or that's where the do question. We, like, where do we find those extra points year after year? To where do we find just, that extra speed? That how do point? we, how do we improve off of something that we damn near gave everything we had? How do we get better than that? You right. Know? And I don't think it's a physical fitness thing because I don't think that, I don't think there's any way to that your improved physical fitness would have. You made all the challenges. Or you made all the all the missions. Yeah. So, not like going any faster would have helped. Again, remember I said we didn't plot any bonus checkpoints until that's true. Checkpoint eight on mission one. So how many bonus checkpoints were there available that we could have gotten that would have helped us? If you would have gone just a touch faster. You know, like, yeah. Um, it's just it's little things, man. Little things. Maybe having Fred bring a different pistol, one that he can actually fucking shoot. One that he would to shoot would help. You know, like again, you know, like again, it's just you don't know how the dust is gonna settle yeah. until it's settled, and then you're like, but it's but it's settled. This was a, 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 a third place finish. Yeah, which by by any stretch is an amazing finish for this challenge. How do you personally feel you guys did? Felt like we did great. Like, felt like we pushed it to the wire. We were light. We were fast. We made good decisions. Everybody makes mistakes. Like, you can't make a mistake and beat yourself up about it because at some point, every team is making a mistake or two, right? The idea is to limit the amount of mistakes that you make and also reduce the effect that those mistakes have on you right so if you make a bad navigational thing like make sure you're making it so that it's not affecting you in extreme amount right so constantly checking your compass constantly asking like you know what do you got what do you, there was no shit dude like weird things happen at night we were on mission one. Oh, I bet. We were coming down from checkpoint seven. Fucking, I'm like, all right, dude, let's fucking beat feet to the power lines and we're going to shoot an asthma from the power lines. And like, beat feet over, get up the fucking hill. We're on top, underneath the power, we're underneath the power lines. And I'm looking this direction and I'm like, pretty sure we got to go over that way. I'm like, well, let me bust my compass out. And I like point that direction and I like turn my dial and like, says it's fucking west. Compass don't work under that power line as well as it should. It says it's west. I'm like, <laughs> it's not fucking west. And he's like, it's not. I'm like, no. And he's like, I think it's west. I'm like, that's not fucking west, dude. And uh, I'm like, pull your compass out. So he pulls his compass out and it's pointing fucking west too. Now the power lines aren't affecting us. I just, somehow we came up this mountain, got underneath the power lines and we're completely... I'm You're just completely, turned around. I'm turned around. And I'm like, there's no fucking way this happened. Like, I'm a good navigator. How the fuck did I get turned around to the point where, like, I want to go that way, but we need to go this way. So, And I can't even imagine. So I do a lot of night hunting out mm -hmm. in the desert, and I've, I've put an animal down at night, um, predators, coyotes, and stuff, walked to it, 
and what I normally do is I leave my red spotlight on because well I get lost <laughs> you need to get back. so sometimes I, I've walked out maybe 50 yards turned around and it's taken me 20 minutes to get back <laughs> to my truck and I'm only I'm 50 yards on flat ground so I can't imagine being out in the middle of these mountains yeah trying to get your bearing and you have no idea where you're at so this is just another one of those like we know we're under the power lines so we're not lost but for some reason we're just i'm disoriented i'm like how the fuck am i looking that way thinking that's west but that's not west we gotta go over here so it was just another one of those like was it wasn't a mistake it didn't cause us to lose time but it did kind of hammer home like trust your compass trust Mm -hmm. your fundamentals of navigation trust everything that you know don't go off of what you think or what you feel go off of what you know when all else fails just revert to your training and trust it exactly yeah absolutely so i've got i've got a question that i want you to to talk about or maybe to answer to the listeners real quick while i use the bathroom because i've talked to you about this before you consider this sniper adventure challenge like that's your that's the elite of what you look forward to. That's your challenge. Like no matter what, if you had to skip any any competitions, this is the one you're gonna go do. Yeah. Why? Okay. Why is this the pinnacle of what you train for every year? And I've talked to you about this before and it's 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 an insane challenge, but you answer that real quick. I'm gonna be back in three and a half minutes. All right, so we're back. We're gonna pee pee break. And I didn't have to miss. I didn't have to miss the answer, so that's good. Well, yeah. I mean, I answered it to myself. Okay. Kind that's of. Good. Uh, so I would say that this is one of the competitions that I feel is a challenge, right? Um, now you have like your NRL matches. You have your PRS matches. Like you have matches like that where. You go to a stage, you drag all your shooting stuff with you, you shoot, you watch other people shoot, you ask people for what their wind calls were, like, you know, it does take skill to shoot. I don't discount that, right? Um, but it's a whole separate ball game when you have to do everything yourself. There's nobody to give you wind calls, there's nobody to help you do anything and you have to find your way around, right? So I would say that this competition, as well as the Steel Safari, mm-hmm. so Steel Safari is just a, a shooting match where like, it's just you. You get to a shooting stage, you have five minutes. You gotta find the targets, you gotta range them, and then you gotta shoot them, and you only get one shot at each target. It's either hit or miss, sorry sucker, try again next time. That one's challenging. I have won that one. Now it's the Sniper Adventure Challenge, which is taking it to a whole nother level because it's not just shooting. There's shooting in there, and the better you shoot, the more points you accumulate. But now your partner has to shoot well. Now you have to physically be capable of accomplishing whatever physical brutality they're gonna put in front of you, right? You have to have a mindset that's going to get you through that. You have to have navigational skills. You have to be able to pick locks, solve puzzles, make riddles. Like they challenge me with so many things. Like where else would you get challenged with so many different aspects? As well as being a team event, 
So you have to have a partner that's capable of doing all of this with you. He has to physically be able to keep up. Mm-hmm. He has to be able to shoot. He has to be able to help you with something. It's not a one-man show, right? And it's not just, you know, like you were talking about um, the, the first year, the, those two partnered up this year, where it's not even just about ha- having two solid competitors. You guys have to be able to, to complement each other, too. You could yeah. have two type A, just hot shit motherfuckers that wouldn't do this well together mm-hmm. because they, they don't complement each other. Yeah. Too many, like, similar skill sets. There's just a lot. It, there's there's so much that goes into it. Like, when I did this, I did this one year, and I'll be honest with you, I was nowhere near prepared. I just thought I was going to jump in this, and I was going to be a hot shit, and I was going to fucking do it. And we weren't ready. We weren't physically in shape. We couldn't make it through the night without sleeping. I didn't have a plan. Like, I couldn't sleep the night before, so I got zero sleep. Now we're going into the competition. I'm tired. It's just not going to work out well. My pack weighs too much. I'm bringing shit that's not on the gear list because I'm thinking, like, well, maybe I'll need this. Maybe I'll need that. Maybe I'll need this or that. Look, there's a pocket on my pack, and it's not full. I must fill it with something. So that year, we weren't prepared, and we sucked. We sucked really fucking bad. We didn't make it through the competition. Like, it just, it takes everything that you have, not just during the competition, but you have to be dedicated to this before the competition. Yeah. Like, how's your land navigation skills? And to be completely honest with you, I did not practice land navigation this entire year. Um, but I feel pretty confident in my abilities, so it's not like I lost a step. But what about your fitness? What about learning how to take care of your feet? Because if your feet fail you, you're not going to go anywhere, right? Um, taking care of your body. What are you eating? What are you putting into your body? Um, what gear do you need to take with you? Like, what's your what's your strategy? Like, there's so much that you put into this competition before you ever start. Well, and that's why I, I ask about this competition specifically because somebody who grew up, you know, my background in F-class silhouette, like shooting competitions, that is zero zero skill set carries over to something like this yeah even i would even say all the, the prs matches i did for years they would zero nothing would 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 carry over to this and all the preparation we've talked about for this sniper challenge all the preparation has been uh proper gear selection and most of that's for weight but we're talking physical fitness hiking land nav uh, all these things that really most people wouldn't equate to sniper stuff mm-hmm. right yeah. you know, my you know short time on my sniper team I had more time behind my binoculars than I ever picked up a rifle and I think this challenge really kind of hammers that home that there's not a lot of shooting in a sniper challenge it, there's not I mean you have shooting but that's just a small portion of what you're going to go through and again like the other half of the challenge is you could be as prepared as possible as an individual but if your teammate cannot be the other half, you are not going to do well, right? And you got to be able to keep going with each other. So I've got, let me see here. I got um, a handful of, if you got time, let's see. We do. So 
I've got some questions here from, well, some of them are from the team, but myself here, I want to ask. And I think some of that, when we talk about um, things that, that are related to this challenge, some yeah. are and some aren't, but I think they're all, I think all of them are, are, are pretty related. So um, I kind of want to just go through this list and there's a, there's a handful of, of okay. questions here. Um, one, uh, as a former sniper and a sniper instructor, what are the big differences from that life versus doing the Sniper Adventure Challenge? Oh man, I would say there's a lot of similarities, but I don't know if I was ever excited to go on like a long, um, a long distance training mission or, you know, combat's different, especially if you're with a group of people that you're excited to go out and hunt with, you know, um, being in a war zone with people that you want to go and fight with and they like, you're not thinking about home the minute that you get there. You're actually thinking like, we're in fucking combat and we're ready to go. Like, it's different. But being back in Pendleton or, you know, back here in the States and like, hey, we're going to do a 48-hour training mission. We're going to hike 60 <laughs> miles and you guys are going to carry all this gear. And you're like, no, please, why? It doesn't sound fun. Can I be sick today? Like, uh, I would say the difference is, one, the weight. Like, our military packs... You have to think about being prepared for everything. Like, I might need this 550 cord. I know I'm going to need triple the amount of extra batteries. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. Like, I might need this. You never know if you're going to need this axe. You might have to kill somebody with it. Whereas, like, Sniper Adventure Challenge, there's a mandatory gear list, and you're pretty comfortable that you can get through everything they're going to throw at you with that mandatory gear list. So you're not bringing extra shit because that extra shit's just weighing you down, right? Um, outside of that, I would say the navigation. Navigation in the military, is, you know, there's a like a T-post jammed in the ground and there's an ammo can. Now it's all painted green, so it's not that easy to find, but it's a lot bigger than just a little skinny pole sticking out of the ground. Um, so military navigation's probably a little easier uh, and, I, and I do want to point out that at the academy, we have these little sticks, mm -hmm. and that's what we do land nav training with, not big yeah. ammo cans. So you you purposely make your training harder mm -hmm. already, and, and and it's not dissimilar to what your the the land nav points that you're trying to find at the sniper adventure challenge. Yeah, I mean, so that's. That's probably the biggest difference is, is like for some odd reason you want to put yourself through all of this pain. On the other side, the military, like part of you wants to get put through that pain because you know it's going to make you better when shit hits the fan. But then the other half of you is like, my life is going to suck. You know, so it's just the mindsets are different. Yeah, a little right, bit. That's fair. That's so, fair. What you got? Um, I like this one. If you could change two things about the Sniper Adventure Challenge, what would they be? Mm. Just two. Just two things. Man, that was a rough one. I really enjoyed this year's Sniper Adventure Challenge. I like the time limits. Um, man, what would they be? 
I don't think I would change anything. Right, and that's fair, and maybe there's nothing. I mean, part of that is, is I think, a testament to how how good of a of a event these guys put together. And I think that's, everybody talks about the competitors and everybody talks about top one, two, and three, but the people putting this on are second to none. Yeah. This is an amazing group of guys that are putting this together. I think I have two things that would change, actually. One, I would change that, uh, I have three things. Okay, you only get two, so pick Damn. your top okay, two okay, and okay. then All right. we'll have a consolation three, but it's not gonna count. One. The Garmin watches, they have an adventure race mode <clears throat> okay. where you can lock the watch. So all it does is tell you time and record your biometrics okay. and give you elevation data. Okay. So there's no navigation, there's no map, there's no GPS, there's nothing. It function, all of it shuts off. But you'd have elevation. Yeah. I wish they would allow us to use it in the adventure race mode because I would be very interested to see how many calories am I burning? Mm -hmm. How many fucking miles are we walking? Like, how long have we been go, go, go? And the watch, it has this feature on it where it's like, your body battery today is 82 out of 100. And then as the day wears on, your body battery goes down. Mm -hmm. And then you sleep and it recharges. After 48 hours of zero sleep, would it be negative? So, similar. Yours is way cooler. But I, I use the Whoop. Okay. And, and, it's, and it gives me the same thing. It gives me my my day strain and my sleep recovery and did you actually die last night it gives you yours so yeah that would be a really neat feature to have right. to be able to to even if you were just able to keep it on so you could download the, the data when you get back to exactly. see how much you beat yourself up so yeah. i do like that i think that'd be a good one the other thing i'd like to change is right now it's 48 hours mm -hmm. i would like the 48 hour one to bump up to 72 oh I would like them to add a 24-hour class. So there's two different classes. And the reason that I want this is I would like seeing other people enjoy themselves and push themselves to do something hard, right? Not everybody can go out there and do 48 hours and beat your fucking ass, right? It's hard. Mm -hmm. There are people who join the competition. They're in the 48-hour fucking block. But nighttime, when they get tired, they're like, fuck, I'm going to sleep. They wake up, they go back to their adventuring, fucking get tired, go to sleep, wake up, go back to their adventuring, right? Why not just have a 24-hour class where they can try and push themselves to actually perform for 24 hours instead of a 48-hour unobtainium window? How many people are actually able to achieve that 48 hours? It, like you said, it's kind of like a small sample size of there's 40 competitors but there's only 10 people that can actually push themselves for 48 hours. Yeah, and I and I like, you know, and I, we've talked about this before, where I would love to do that challenge, but I know even where I'm at, no matter what you train, physically, I don't think, it's just not in the cards for me. Yeah. But a 24-hour challenge. It would be cool. I would 100% do it. And? And there's, there's probably hundreds of people that would love exactly. to do this challenge. You get more people involved, but it, it creates a class where you still have something that you can try to win. You can be the 24-hour champion. Yeah. Right? The 72-hour one, I like the 48 hours. Don't get me wrong. I like the 48 hours because it really challenges you to push to the ragged edge, right? Maybe you keep that 48 hours. But the 72-hour would force you to also factor in when I'm going to sleep. Because you would have to. You would have to. So you'd almost have to game your pit stops 
Exactly. Now you have more planning that's involved with like, okay, we're going to sleep night number one. Are we going to push it to the ragged edge and sleep at 48 hours? And how long is our body going to fucking handle this abuse? Like, I think we just throw a whole nother wrinkle into the problem where now you're being forced to really live outside of this pack that you're carrying. And what are you going to do for 72 hours? Yeah, because 48 hours is is for a lot unobtainable, but... When you start getting to the 72 hours, you're almost thinking there's almost an element of that that makes it easier. I mean, without some, like, meth or some shit, dude, this is impossible. You have, you have to sleep and take pit stops. You have to. Um, and, and some guys, it could be easier for them. So I, I think that's pretty – I think a 24-hour class and a 72-hour class would be – It would be pretty wild. Would be pitch. And can you imagine having, like, four times the amount of competitors now because there's a I, – I bet you that 24 hours would just be – so that's the one thing I've noticed is as the time limit has started to increase, we went from 24-hour sniper, 36-hour sniper, now we're at 48-hour sniper. As, you, as we started adding more duration to the competition, the number of competitors has started to shrink. So bring back the 24 hours to get those group of people back in Yeah, there. and which we don't worry. Like we want this to continue to grow and get bigger. Mm-hmm. Not You don't want to compete against the same 20 people every time. Yeah. They're the same 20 teams. So, yeah, I, I feel that. Especially someone as competitive as you, you want to make sure that there's as many people there as possible so you can win against the best of the best of the elite. So when you win, you win. That's the key, man. 100%. You know, like next year, obviously we've got to do this again because we didn't win, and that's kind of our goal. But Murphy and Daniels, they need to be there because I have so much respect for those two guys. You have to beat them. That... If they're not there and we win, I won't feel whole. You know, like when I won the Team Safari, or sorry, the empty Team Safari, the uh, Steel Safari, Safari, the individual match, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have felt as, it wouldn't have felt like a win to me if Tate Streeter wasn't there. Tate had won this match like two or three years in a row previously. So you're chasing the best. You're not the fucking best if you don't beat the best, right? So that's kind of like the thing is, is Murph and Daniels have to be there. We need to see John there. Like, you know, if Chris Way ever comes back, he's won in a couple, like a year or two in a row. Like, you need these people to be there to validate that what you're doing is actually worth it versus like, hey, I won the Sniper Venture Challenge this year, but nobody was there. Okay, so on that note, that's your two. What's your third, but it doesn't count? I kind of wrapped the 24 and 72 together so that I could get away with it. All right. Okay, so let's see here. On to the next one. Um, So I like this one because this gets into, well, what mistakes would you say people make that separate the top guys from the mid-pack and bottom level, right? Because now we're getting into the nuance of most of these guys in this 48 hours I went, maybe they're not all elite, elite, elite. Yeah. But there's no schleps in this, in these, in these twenty teams. So what is really separating these guys top? What mistakes are being made from the top, middle, and bottom? I think first and foremost, probably preparation. Like you are not prepared to be here. And every year, there's a few. There are people who don't know how to navigate. There are people who are physically not capable of this level of 
physical abuse that you're about to sustain, right? And you can see it every year when this year somebody went to the hospital. Last year, somebody damn near had a heart attack. Like, you are not prepared to exert yourself to this level. You thought you could just grab your shit and say, let's fucking go. Uh, so preparation, training, like, if you don't know how to navigate, you need to go and figure that out because this entire thing is based off of you being able to figure out how to get around. And I think it's maybe those mistakes are probably mostly made. Those ones are probably maybe first-time competitors that don't really understand what they're getting into. Could be. Um, so I would say preparation is one of them, and then probably time management would be what separates the elites from the lower. And you've right? t- so you've talked about time management a lot, mm-hmm. and time is the only thing that, like, that is obviously something that's really important in this competition. Yeah. So, you know, elaborate on, on just time. I wish I could do the math right now, but, I mean, if you look at... Just a, circle A, B, or C. <laughs> we have 48 hours, right? And you have, let's say there's a maximum of, you know, let's see, 10, 9, 10, 29, plus 7. So now you're at 36... 36 plus 40 bonus so now you're at what 76 you have 76 and then throw in four different missions so that's another 40 so now you're at 116 navigational points and you're at 2400 challenge points if you did all that math and you came out with what's the maximum score that you could achieve right and then you break it down by like, how many points per hour should we be accumulating? And if we're not reaching that, then wh- where are we failing? Are we too slow? Are we, do we need to pick up the pace? Do we need to get better at navigation? Do we need to spend less time caring about ourselves and more time being out on the trail? Like, where do you get your points per hour number to bump? So when you talk about you know, time management, you can almost go into this loosely. You can almost go into this and know how many points you're going to achieve based on how many points per hour you try to get. Mm-hmm. So if you know, like, look, there's no way I'm going to get more than 30 points per hour. I need to do 45 or whatever it is. Yeah, That's where I'm setting my pace. And your pace is almost based on how many points you're getting. Not. I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. Because that's so, mathematically, that's a lot to break down into 48 hours. Yeah. It's not enough time. So Fred's got this friend who's an engineer, super smart guy, and he made this, this spreadsheet for us, right? And you look down the side of the spreadsheet and it's got checkpoints, or sorry, challenges, challenge points. It's got something on the left and then across the top it's got, a, uh, it's got two numbers. In each column it's two numbers. It's got navigational points, and clusters clusters of uh, challenges. Because a lot of your challenges will be clustered together. Like challenge one through five is here. Challenge seven and eight are here. So you look through this spreadsheet and like, okay, I have this many checkpoints right now, navigationally. And I slide over here and I'm at a cluster of five challenges. And you look at the column and it says, well, based off of how many navigation checkpoints you have, you should do these challenges right now. 
it would be better for you in the long run. But if you only have X amount of navigational points and you run into a cluster of two challenges, it is not worth your time to stop and do these challenges because you need to accumulate more navigational. So it was a hard spreadsheet to understand, but he came up with this spreadsheet that's like mathematically, this is what you should do. If you find yourself with this many challenge points and this many navigational points, which one's going to mean more to you? And Fred's trying to explain to me, I'm like, I don't Just tell us where to go. <laughs> just tell me what it's supposed to be. Are we going to never challenge? Yeah. But you figure it out. Tell me where we're going. So. Oh, geez. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like just time management and preparation really are the big. Huge. Okay. Huge, man. Huge. Um, which gets into challenges, right? What's more of a challenge, the miles or the hours without sleep? Because I don't, for me, I don't know which one would be worse. I really think for me it'd be the the lack of sleep. I don't know if you can have one without the other. How about that? Okay. Because have you ever tried to stay up for 48 hours straight? Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I've never done it. I've never, like, I could not sit here in front of the TV or reading a book. Like, if I'm not actively doing something, how could I possibly stay awake for 48 hours, right? The miles is what keeps you awake because you have an end goal in mind, right? You're not just staying awake to stay awake. You are moving with a purpose of getting from A to B and then B to C, right? So the miles come hand in hand with staying awake and the pain just lets you know that you're still breathing, right? And then you think about like, okay, the other team is hurting. How about I'm going to focus less on how much I hurt so that I can beat them, you know? So mm -hmm. like... I would say that the miles physically hurt, the sleep just becomes a nuisance. Where like, it's not painful to, like what happens when you, when you need to sleep but you don't? You start making bad decisions, right? Like, I'm not putting the points on the right spot on the map. I'm not physically able to like function. Certain things are shutting down to allow me to keep moving, right? It's kind of like, uh, you know, like we have Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 spacecraft that launched in the 70s, mm -hmm. and they're losing power. The farther they get away from the solar system, they're losing power. So NASA is shutting down functions of these little spaceships so, so they can just keep fucking going. So the heartbeat can still <laughs> And that's kind of like what happens here is like, okay, I'm going to shut down this, I'm going to shut down your eyesight for a little bit so that this keeps pounding, right? So that these keep moving. So with sleep, you're losing cognitive function, whereas with the miles, you're feeling a physical pain. But it's, but it's what's keeping you awake, really. It is keeping you awake, but it's also mentally exhausting you because yeah. you're like, fuck, uh, uh, you know, until things start to numb out. Like, you can get a nasty-ass blister, how long is it going to take you to fucking numb? Well, I remember, fuck, the one that I had on my heel, it fucking got massive. And I think it took an hour and a half for it to numb. So for an hour and a half, I'm like, uh, 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 you know, and like, we can't slow down. We have to keep going. So I'd say the miles probably take a bigger toll just because the sleep is more. You can prepare for the miles in a roundabout way. I don't think you can train for the lack either. of sleep. No. I mean, you just, at that point, you're starting to take unhealthy amounts of like yeah. caffeine and other random 
energy fucking. So that shit. brings me to the next question, which is the next question, which is besides water and food, what are the three things that you couldn't live without for the sniper adventure challenge? Pizza, right? Well, that's food. Food. Um, besides, besides water and food, besides, three things that you can't live without. Okay. Trekking poles. Okay. Trekking poles because for the first time I ever did SAC, we didn't bring trekking poles. We were just like, fucking go, go, go. Fresh out of the military. We never used trekking poles. See all these other people using trekking poles. And I actually was like, these guys are little bitches. Well, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I've seen plenty of pictures of you and trekking poles. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? They conserve so much energy. I don't think I would be able to do the 48 hours without those poles because of how it helps you climb mountains and how you can serve energy by having four legs. It's just a game changer. I, I never would have thought about that. So the trekking poles okay. is probably can't live without. And then, man. Um, well, what about feet care stuff? Because that's the thing we talked about a ton. You get a lot of blisters, or you got a lot of blisters this year. Yeah. How did you... Would you just slap tape on them and go? So, you know, after reading and doing some research on how, like, ultramarathon runners do it, mm -hmm. they tape their feet. Some will only tape areas that they get hot spots. Mm -hmm. Some will tape everything. So through trial and error, I just started taping everything. Okay. And it's smooth. You use a special tape. It's Luco tape. And you just start molding it around your foot, right? Because how do blisters form? It's fucking friction. Your foot is sliding, and that friction is creating an air pocket and heating it up, and boom, now you got a blister, right? The skin separates from, you know, muscle tissue, and, and it's nasty. Yeah. The tape acts as a barrier between the foot and whatever friction-causing shit you have, right? Um, so the tape is super important. Um, I can't imagine doing it without it now, just because of how effective I know it works. I think it could have been much fucking worse without tape this year. Even though, I like, each foot, I had one, two, three, six blisters total, three on each foot. It probably would have been a lot worse just because of how hot it was outside. So that was going to be one of my questions was, I know last year you didn't get any blisters. Yeah. Your feet were solid. Um, I know blisters coming up wasn't an issue. What caused you to get so many this year? Because I know that was something you had to deal with. I think it was two parts. One was the heat, right? Like your feet are experiencing a lot more heat radiating off the ground. The shoes are absorbing them. Um, so heat was part of that. But then you are used to walking in a certain way, right? What happens when you throw weight on a person? Change the way you walk. Change the way you walk. So what happens when you throw some weight on a person, but then you also tell that person that they have to walk four miles per hour because that was the pace that we were trying to keep. So now you're stretching your gait, right? You're fucking hauling ass. Your feet are striking the ground at different manners than they normally do. So because of the pace that we were trying to set, it was interacting with the heat of the day and it was just an all around like, there are going to be blisters, and this is something we will have to deal with if we want to keep... I could have walked at 2.5 miles per hour, but we wouldn't have covered as much ground. Okay. I could have kept the blisters down, but we wouldn't have gotten to where we need to go. So, let's see here. This is, this is a question for Mick. So, 
Aside from physical fitness and land nav, what would you tell aspiring competitors to work on leading up to the match? And I would say, I would say, I want you to phrase this as if, because the guys doing the, the 48, I mean, the guys in the 48 are probably gonna pretty well have their stuff together. I like to see you phrases for guys for like a 24, right? like new guys coming mm. in. Like where do, you, where do you prep? So besides physical fitness and navigation. Yeah, besides physical fitness and land nav. Okay, those are two pretty important main ones. <laughs> uh, you never know what the challenges are gonna be. That's a that's a hard one. Like, who fucking knew that we were gonna get flashcards with airplanes? Study jets. <laughs> I mean, there was one year that we had to tie knots, and I know a lot of knots, but they're naval knots. These are mountaineering knots. I don't never taught na fucking mountaineering knots. So, like, you never know what you're gonna be hit with. That's why you gotta take some challenges with a grain of salt. Like, I don't know how to do MIT math, so here we are. Um, navigation, physical fitness, obviously important. I would say, uh, how do you practice mental toughness? I don't know if you can. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, stress inoculation and all that stuff, and, you know, you just do these things so you're used to it, but, you know, how do you make yourself... How do you how, become a hard motherfucker? Because that's where you got to be. How do you do that without doing shit that requires you to be a hard motherfucker, right? Like, you can't... How or, do you prep or, for this without or, just doing this? Or what shit can you do to develop that hard motherfuckerness? I don't know. That's kind of like... That's, I would say, like, no matter what, navigation and physical fitness help, right? Obviously, you'd be able to navigate, and physical fitness will help ease the burden. Mm -hmm. But there still comes a point where you have to be a fucking motherfucker, or you will not push past that barrier, right? Well, and that's what's always pushed me is the, is the, the simple phrase of your mind gives up way way sooner than your body of course and yeah. so anytime that I'm at that point where I'm like I can't fucking do this I just think is, am I shutting down or is my body shutting down my body's not shutting down keep fucking going I, always I don't, figure I don't like, know how much you can teach that other than you just gotta live it on on day you know the final six hours of this competition we are fucking going and I'm on the brink of like I could fucking die right now. I legit think that I could fucking just go into a heat stroke right now and die. But I never blacked out, and I never went face forward, passed out onto the ground. So clearly, the body will go so much further than what you are telling it will go, right? I mean, that was the point that I was willing to accept is... We're going to go until the wheels fall off and you are trying to get somebody on the radio that we haven't heard anybody fucking talk on for two <laughs> days to tell them that, like, Tyler's fucking dead and this isn't working out. Like, who do I turn my scorecard? Who do I turn my scorecard in? <laughs> so I think that mental mindset, whether you can teach it, whether you can train it, whether you can read a book and develop it, like, I think you need that. Okay. Like, you, you need that next level of push yourself all right so for non-tylers and that's most of us how would most people balance 
speed versus comfort on the course. So, you know, how would you balance that? How would most people balance that, right? Like, there's a certain breed of people, certain breed of Tylers, that just, here's the goal, here's what we need to do, we just do it. But for most competitors, you have to balance that speed versus comfort. How do you do that? So, I mean, I like the, the distinguination here of, the, you know, not being a Tyler. Last year was a little bit different for me. I, I had told Fred flat out, I'm like, the pace that we're walking at right now, this is the pace that I want us to stay because I want our feet to stay fresh. Like my, my focus was like, last year, let's stay the entire 24 hours. We've never done 24 hours before. So let's keep this pace. Let's take care of our feet. Let's, let's mentally try to fucking limit how many things are getting thrown at us at one time. Clearly last year didn't work out for us because we didn't complete as many missions last year as we did this year. This year was different. It was, fuck what you know, go, 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 right? So last year we made some comfort decisions and they didn't help us. This year it was, we're going to go, 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 and we're going to do this and nothing else is going to matter. I would say that at an elite level, if you want to be at that top section, right? whether it's the top two, it's the top three, and you can look at the scores and you can see where there's a clump of people that gave everything they had. And then the rest of the competitors, not saying that they're, you know, they didn't put out, but they're not in that same There's group. a cluster and then they kind of taper off. And there's a big gap, Yeah. right? If you want to be in that elite level, if you want to be in that cluster, there is no compromise between comfort and speed. If you want to complete the competition, if you want to go the full 48 hours and you want to just say that you did it, right? And that a lot of people do that. There's people that sleep out on the course. Um, there's a couple that are really awesome competitors. They, they uh, actually, they took fifth this year, right? And sixth, there's two couples, male and female. Uh, fifth and sixth place this year. And they, they really did well last year, too. Top five every year. What's their plan? Their plan is fucking, they just go. They they go as fast as they can move. They try to make good decisions. They take breaks. They try to remain comfortable. They try to remain fucking, like, motivated and upbeat. And, like, they're, they're doing their best, but they're not pushing themselves to, like, I could die right now, right? Um, and they're focusing on if they stay just comfortable enough, they can make good decisions, mm-hmm. which is not a bad strategy. Every year they've been top five. They're not in that elite group, but they're still top five. Yeah. They're still walking away with the trophy. Yeah. They can still say that they are in the top five of this competition. So their strategy has worked very well is let's, let's not saying they don't have blisters and physical problems, right? They do. I've seen her feet. I've seen his feet. Uh, but they are focusing more of let's make good decisions. Let's have, you know, let's have a little bit of comfort built in. Let's take fucking two hours and hang out here and, like, try to recuperate. Let's make sure we finish. There you go, right? So I would say to the average person trying to do this, like, 
maybe focus on taking care of yourself and you will get through the entire thing versus let me go flat out kill myself and and then get through it the first year and then maybe the following year figure out what you can give up yeah. and then so on and so forth. A lot of learning okay. happens in the first time. Um, this is a good one because, uh, you know, we talk about physical fitness and, and you know, mental fortitude and stuff, but something that is not talked about is what's more important during an extreme output event like SAC, proper nutrition versus any and all calories? Ooh. I would say the... Because uh, throwing down pizza and just getting it in <laughs> is a strategy. What does a pizza do for you? I don't I mean, know. There's not a lot of proper nutrition in there, but you know what there is? There's a lot of fucking happiness built into that <laughs> piece of pizza. <laughs> so when you get through your first 16 hours and you sit down and you're like eating a pepperoni pizza, and you're like, oh my God, this is so fucking I'd good. I'd almost much rather just pack a couple large pepperonis in my backpack than your, Cliff Bars. Your mental, your mental elevation is just, it's through the roof as you're eating this piece of pizza. Like, have you, when I went to uh, this year, I swung by and uh, I stopped at a grocery store and I picked up a box, I think it was Target, 18 bars of Cliff Bars. And they're all the same flavor, right? Mm -hmm. Fucking chocolate chip. Yeah. You know how many chocolate chip Cliff Bars you can eat before you're just like, oh my God, no. Three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> and then you're like, I gotta eat. Uh, and you're like eating this Cliff Bar, right? Um, the goo. Like, I get the goo. It's supposed to be like high in caffeine. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sugar packed in this thing, like squirting the goo in your mouth. After like three goos, you're like, <sighs> the honey wafers. Again, like these are all, they got calories, but they're high energy, high sugar. They're meant to keep you going during the race, but they're not nutrition that is going to sustain you, right? And I think that's where it fell off this year is, last year I had a whole fucking pizza and half of it was in my cash bag, half of it was with me this year. Our pizza was in a cash bag that we didn't really get to visit a lot. So I had one piece of pizza to lift my spirits and then everything from then on was like, I wish I had my pizza right now, you know? So food, you know, you know, we were, the question was more based around like physical fitness, nutrition stuff, but there's a huge component of that where it's, it's just uh, you know, raising your spirits and keeping you mentally I think Happy. If, if you didn't do the preparation, like if you didn't eat properly before the competition, I don't know how much eating properly during the competition. It's not going to fucking matter. It's going to At that point, right? Like, that's all the preparation before. You had to eat well before that. So, like, I don't drink soda. I try to stay away from a lot of like processed sugars, processed foods. Like, I eat a lot of fruits, a lot of veggies, salads. Um, fucking noodles, pastas, like, I'm not on the greatest diet, but I'm not on a shit diet, right? It wouldn't have changed anything if I was on a super amazing diet while the competition's taking place, because it just wasn't how I prepared, right? It might have done more damage than anything to completely change everything. It's more important to uplift your spirits with a pizza. Yeah than it is to continue to suck the goo and honey wafers down. I think at that point, calories are far more important because where's your energy coming from? 
your body's either processing what you're giving it or your body's eating muscle. It's one of those two things, right? And I didn't get a chance to weigh myself after the competition, uh, but I know that I started at 152, and I guarantee I was down in the mid-140s by the time it was over. Yeah, you look like you were hungry when you got back from it. So what fed me? What kept me going? Not enough pizza. <laughs> Not enough pizza. <laughs> All right. Um, so we talked about this, but let's just touch on it real quick. What's the most difficult part of land nav in the dark? Because, again, by default, you know, we say that it's easier to, to, to land nav if there's light, but you actually talked about it almost being a little easier in the dark in some instance because you're a little more focused. You are. You're focused on, like, doing the basics of fundamentals, right? The, the basic navigational principles. And... The hard part about nighttime is like, if you get turned around, if you get disoriented, if you get lost, and I don't mean like, well, I don't know where the fuck I am. You have an idea where you are, but you don't know exactly where you are. If you don't have reference points, right? And think of it as like, I'm gonna triangulate your position, right? Whether it's a GPS or fucking government's trying to track you with your cell phone, right? They can get a lot better position on you, same with the GPS, satellites in the sky, if they have multiple points that are all beaming down to you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with map navigation. If I know that I'm somewhere here on this area of the map and I can see that building over there, well, if I shoot an azimuth to that building and then I reverse it, so now from that building to me, this straight line, I'm somewhere on that straight line. But I need to swing over here, 90 degrees, you know, 120 degrees, and find something on this side that I can shoot another azimuth. Now, where those two lines intersect, that's where I'm at. But if I don't have anything to do that with, then I don't know where I'm at. And I'm like standing on top of a mountain, and I'm like, okay, I'm on this mountain, what features do I see? Well, it's pitch fucking black. There's no moon, there's no light, there's no nothing. Let me bust out my light and I start flashing it. I'm like, okay, there's a finger over there. There's a straight drop here. So now what am I looking for on the map? I'm looking for lines that are really close together to show me that cliff. I'm looking for a finger that goes in this direction. Like, I think the hardest part about navigating at night is that if you slip up, it's a lot harder to get yourself back, right? Without wandering around until you can find something that's known. Uh, that checkpoint I talked about, we're like, we're up on the ridge, we walk this way, we walk that way, we walk this way, we're looking down, we don't see it. A lot of other competitors just skipped that point altogether because they didn't want to deal with the problems that they saw looking at it on the map. Like, you look at it and you're like, damn, that point is 100 meters down from the ridge line, but look how fucking steep that is. No, fuck that. We're going to skip it. Talk to Murphy and Daniels. They're like, yeah, well, fuck that point. We skipped that one. <laughs> I'm like, we found it. It only took us an extra 45 minutes, though. You know, like, it sucked. We found it. But navigating at night is just a different animal because you want to focus on the principles, but you get turned around, and then it's like a game of guess and check. And it's easy to get frustrated. Like, multiple times, especially during that phase, Fred would be like, where are we? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, 
Just give me a fucking minute. Just, just give me a minute. Just let me think. Okay. There's a ridge there. And then you look at your map, they're like, there's ridges everywhere. <laughs> I know that I'm somewhere in here. We used to be over here. Somehow we... <sighs> I think I know where we are. We're going to go this way. Fred follows me because he trusts me. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I fucking trust myself right now. Then we get to the ridge. I'm like, see, I told you I knew where we were this all the time. So, like, it's a good amount of trust. But, man, it's like night navigation without illumination is, is rough. Yeah. So you well, got to trust it. And so that is going to bring me to, to my last question, which is Fred's following you. He trusts you. Yeah. He just... This is, I think we're going this way. Fuck, I hope I don't fuck up. What is more important, a capable teammate or a compatible one? Mm. And this is assuming that that teammate is, regardless, at least mildly capable and or mildly compatible. Which one's more important? I would say compatible. Okay. I would say compatible. I, uh, I mean... I just got lucky with Fred. He's capable. And we also just work well together, right? Like, I do all the navigation, but Fred keeps the pace count. Yeah, because there's a, there's a skill set and age gap yeah. between you and Fred. And not that one of you is more skilled than the other, but there, he does have some years on you, and you do have a different skill set than him. So Yeah, and... Like I said, we push each other. One of us be in our high, one of us be in the low. And then we're just constantly ebbing and flowing with each other. So it just works out really well. Um, we do have different skill sets. You know, like he carries a team in a lot of shit. Like as far as like, hey, Fred, I need to know when we are 300 meters. Like I'm looking out. And I'm observing what I see. I see this mountain. I see this hill. I see this fucking finger. I see this draw. I see this ridge. Like, everything that I see, I'm taking in, right? Not just because I'm trying to navigate to where we're going, but I also want to remember these things for later. If we have to come back through this way, how can I save time? Well, I can save time by not needing to pull out my fucking map. So if I know where we're going by always observing everything around me, then I'm good. Which also limits my ability to keep count of how many steps I've taken. So if I tell Fred, hey, man, I need 100 meters. And you know we'll go 100 meters. From now? Yes, from now. Okay. And he's counting. That's all he's doing while I'm focused on everything else. Which would explain, like, some of the missions had reused navigational checkpoints, right? Like, checkpoint 7 for mission 1 might have been checkpoint 3 for mission 3. And there was times where I'm like, Fred, especially on mission 4, it's like our last fucking mission. And I believe checkpoint five was a previous checkpoint. I'm like, dude, remember mission two? When we were over here? We've been here before. And he's like, I don't remember. I'm like, of course you'll fucking remember. You're fucking old. And that's not really what it is. Like, he's focused on different things. He's head down counting steps. He's counting steps. He's fucking, like, carrying gear. He's fucking focused on different things. Whereas, like, I'm focused on the navigational side. So, like, everything I see is, like, a fucking memory snapshot. So I'd be like, do you remember that point? We found it right fucking here. It was under that cliff. And he'd be like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So, yeah, man, I would say, like, we're compatible. I don't know if it would work if we weren't. Because 
it's easy to want to get frustrated with each other. And that was something that, like, last year we didn't really get frustrated with each other, maybe once or twice. The year before, I remember there was a few times where I'm, like, I'm getting irritated or he might get irritated and, like, like my butt heads a little bit. This year was different. For me, it was different because if we made a navigational mistake, I have to man the fuck up because who's doing the navigating? is fucking me so at any point we make a wrong turn we don't do something we're supposed to do like i can't get pissed at him because i made the mistake right so there was a lot of inward looking and there was also a lot of me apologizing like when we overshot a checkpoint and we hit the telephone poles i'm like dude i'm so fucking sorry like i will not forget or i will not make the same mistake where i taking for granted, you know, busting out my compass and doing a quick azimuth. Like, I apologize, you know? Like, there's a lot of accountability for your own actions, and that comes with being more compatible with your partner. Yeah. Is just to accept that you made a mistake, right? And it's also working off of each other's strengths and weaknesses. Like, it could be anything, you know? Like, maybe there's a point where I'm like, Fred, I need you to go that way go and touch that or can you pull out your compass and can you verify that what i'm seeing is what you're seeing like like help me out you well know? and there were there were times where he was just hoofing it to the checkpoint and you're you're just falling back more and more and he's just like and he's go make, get the checkpoint and he's making me push harder because i'm like this dude's 53 years old like <sighs> and then he gets it. I'm like, oh my god, thank you, thank you. You know, like, so yeah. I say compatibility is far more important than being capable. Because mm-hmm. if you can't get along, it's going to be a really fucking long competition. You're going to be at each other's throats. You're not going to want to talk to each other. You're not going to work well together. Like, it's really going to turn into like an individual match. And you're never going to win a team match as an individual. So your experience will be better, you know? Like, I can think of a few competitors right now where, like, they just, things didn't mesh, and they didn't succeed, right? They're bickering with each other. They're arguing. Like, can't have that, man. Like, and we didn't have that this year. That We had zero issues of, like, fuck you, Fred, or fuck you, Tyler, you know? Like, yeah, and, and compatibility has got to be what drives both of you to push harder. It's not like it's this guy gives 100, this guy gives 100, cool, we got 200%. It's this guy gives 100, this guy gives 100, and that puts you at like 250 yeah. to move. So it, it yeah. makes you guys step up. So that's that's good to hear. I, I, I have one last question, which we didn't talk about, which is what's the plan for next year? <laughs> Dude. What changes are you going to make? What... Because you, you gotta again, you are at the top. It's it's, uh, it's a small, minute, nuanced change, whatever it's gonna be. It's not like you can make some big changes and be like, "I'm gonna do this this year," and like, "We're gonna win." Like, what are you gonna do to different next year so I to like, push you over the top? I mean, I, I like where my fitness is at already. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like. My preparation was where it needed to be. I'm, so I'm going to continue with a very similar program of, you know, a lot of weightlifting, 
a lot of Olympic lifts. I'll go from heavy to light, changing the amount of reps, constantly like trying to strengthen my core to deal with the punishment. Um, so I don't think I'll change very much on the preparation side. I would say like somebody had brought up um, when I first got, when I first landed here in the United States, one of the first things I had to do was go pick up my rifle from the gun store. Yeah. Falcor Defense made me this rifle specifically for this competition. At my request, I need a rifle that weighs eight pounds. And, and by the way, that is an amazing <laughs> rifle. You, so They did good. They shipped it out. It got here a day before I did. And, you know, with all of my stuff that I had boxed up from overseas, my CCW is in there. So I went to the gun store and I'm like, fuck, I don't have my fucking CCW. So I got to go through the whole background check and all of this shit. And it takes time for them to call it in and like get in touch with somebody doing the background mm -hmm. check. So they're like, oh, it could be a few hours. And I'm like, fuck, man, I don't have a few hours to wait. Like I got other things I have to do. I got to go team train. I got to go out to the range. So I left. That was Thursday, Thursday or Friday. I get out to the range, I'm training with the team, I get a call, hey, everything's good, come pick up your rifle. I'm like, well, fuck, man, I'm not coming back to Vegas until I'm going to Wyoming. Yeah. So I pick up the rifle Monday, and I go out to some random BLM spot in the middle of the desert. Yeah, because you would call me, like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm in the back of the truck trying to sight my rifle in. <laughs> shooting off at the back of the truck, <laughs> zeroing the rifle and trying to get a muzzle velocity. It's the first 10 rounds I shot out of this rifle. Get the velocity, plug it in the ballistic calculator, got a zero, I'm like, this is as good as it's going to get. That's it. So, I mean, I take the rifle. I'm, I mean, that was, the, that was the preparation. And go to the competition. Like, that was my pre-match experience, right? And could I do anything different? Would it have changed anything to make our performance any better? I mean, I hit what I was aiming at. Missed one shot, which took us into a whole nother point of, you know. Clearing a rack with 80 rounds of pistol ammo. Right, yeah, right? But I needed a backup plan in case the rifle didn't make it to me on time. Yeah. So I called Nick and, and Russ, and I'm like, has any of you guys got a lightweight rifle? And they're like, yeah, I got my 12-pound rifle. I'm like, 12 pounds? Who the fuck wants to carry 12 pounds? And uh, that's the... That's the light rifle weight limit for the NRL. But that's still heavy. Yeah, right. it is. So you factor in, like, I'm using a new pack this year. I used the uh, Kefaru, you know, Stormbreaker, whatever mm, great it was. Pack. Love the pack, but it's made of Cordura. It's not light. So you add in all the extra shit, the water, the mandatory gear list, the rifle, the ammo, everything. By the time it's all said and done, everything I have on my body is weighing 37 pounds. Fred's at 27 pounds. So how much more performance do I gain by shedding 10 pounds? Right. What's the math on 10 pounds per step for, <laughs> for 48 hours? And, you know, somebody had brought that. I forget how I calculated it, but I think I did like, uh, what was it? It was per hour. It was it per hour or per mile? Like my eight pound rifle, Nick's 12 pound rifle. That's four pounds. Now you multiply by 60 miles. It's this many extra pounds yeah. per mile. Who the fuck wants to carry yeah. that? I'm like, so 
how can we improve? Can I get lighter for next year? So I think we're, I think gear wise, I think on, on the, the shooting equipment, you know, besides maybe a light AR, but your rifle, I mean, I think that's as light as it's gonna get and be reasonably. I don't think you wanna go any lighter. It's gonna be a lot harder to, to be precise. Yeah with it and be accurate and hit what you're aiming at so but maybe next year we look at getting you some lighter pack lighter pack you know um fred's got some tricks up his sleeve with that with that parachute material um so yeah like definitely got to be some areas that we can improve on the weight side of it so that might be an area that i got to look heavily into where can i shed weight mm -hmm. you know even if i only say five pounds if the total amount of gear that I'm carrying is 32 pounds versus 37, that's a lot. You're still saving energy. Yeah. Right. Um, probably when we split up the cash bags, we weren't prepared to have two cash bags. So last minute, we had to separate everything as even as possible. I got a baggie of snacks, got a baggie of snacks. I put my pizza in the wrong bag. I had extra clothes here. I didn't have extra clothes here. Yeah, I think where you fucked up is you put the pizza in the wrong bag. I think that could have made all the difference in the world. It could have. It really could have. So better, better ability to separate everything extra we're allowed to take into two different bags so that the bags are evil, e equal. No matter which bag I get into, I'm getting the same shit. Yeah. And uh, so that could be an area... Um, and then also not allowing competitors who are doing what we're doing. We're sitting there, we're plotting points on a map, and this team gets up and leaves. This team gets up and leaves. Well, that's affecting my, my mental psyche because I'm like, oh, my God, all these teams are leaving ahead of us. Like, we have to go. We have to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? We should have plotted those bonus checkpoints for Mission 1, and that might have got us to second place maybe might have got us to first you don't know but you know it's these small little things that start to add up so some of our preparation needs to be better some of our weight needs to be better my weight needs to be better on fred's side i know you want to bring a pistol that's lightweight but you got to bring a pistol you can fucking shoot with you know and uh having your glock 19 was a lot better than having a you know, a little tiny P. Walther that is good for three yards and in, you know? Well, like, I'm glad I was able to help with something <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, having functional gear, and he even said it himself. He's like, I'm just going to have to sacrifice the extra pound next year. I'm like, yeah. so sorry, you're going to be at 28 pounds yeah. instead of 27, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, again, when you're when you start to get to this level, it's just... It's those tiny details that now start to separate you, and that's where we're trying to slice it and, and get better, man. So, yeah, until next year. Again, all I got to do is win this fucking match, and then I can retire. Then you can be done. Then you be like, I don't have to do it anymore. I have done it. Yeah, but then other guys are going to want to force you out of retirement so they can beat you. <laughs> it's the same thing. They're not going to want to compete unless you're there, so... You'll be you'll be competing in this competition well into your fifties. Oh my god! I don't know. Fred's gonna be like seventy by then. <laughs> He'll still be doing it. What is he like? He's fifteen years older than me. All right. So when I'm fifty, he'll be sixty-five years old. He can still do it at sixty-five. He's got that thin it blood though, dude. Hope. He lives in Boulder, so like elevation oh, means nothing there. to him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
All right. Well, uh, th it sounds like it was an awesome competition this year. It was, man. I mean, I know you wanted to improve your standings, but I think staying level, especially with everything you had to deal with this year, it's, and let's be honest, you're not exactly not busy this year. So just the fact that you were able to compete, much less place third, is a testament to not only your skill set, but your dedication to this this challenge so yeah it was rough man but we're definitely looking forward to next year already fucking started like back to almost 100 percent. so working out running like it's a lot easier to maintain than it is to let yourself go and then try to come back so it's a lot easier to just say you know i might as well just stay in this condition and continue to build than to Hey, the competition's over. We're going to take two months off and get fat again. And Well, know, like, tell the guys at SAC to do a 72 and a 24. And if you do the 24, then all of us are going to join you. <laughs> the whole team's going to do the 24. We're going to try, man. I keep trying to talk them into it. We'll see what happens. But, I don't know, maybe in the future we will see a 72. That would be awesome. I want to be the first one to stay awake for it. Well, you got anything else you want to chat about? No, man, that's it for right now. Fucking right. get out of here. I'm sure it's been like close to two hours. If anybody is still listening, yeah, please fuck there. Like you're a trooper, and I hope you got something out of this, whether it's motivation or, you know, whatever it is. But I will say this. Um, you know, nobody can force you to do something. Like, nobody forced me to do the Sniper Adventure Challenge. Nobody woke me up every fucking morning at 4.30 and said, I, I need to go run. I need to go lift. Like, I don't have a workout partner when I'm overseas and I'm working. Like, this is all me. And it's because it's something that I want to do. There is a burning desire for me to accomplish this task. So if there's something out there that you want, nobody is going to hold you accountable for it like you will. So... Find that motivation to do whatever it is that you want to do. And for a lot of us, it's just getting the fuck out of bed, right? True words, brother. Like, I need to get up. I need to get up and work out this morning. And then, like, you don't. I'm going to hit snooze. I'm going to hit snooze. And before you know it, your fucking time's gone, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I've said it throughout this entire podcast. It's you, your most valuable fucking asset is time. And you can't buy it. You can't trade for it. You can't get more of it. So you better make the most of whatever time that you do have. And sometimes that bites me in the ass because I'm so like go, go, go all the time. And I hate that I have to sleep. It actually irritates me that I have to sleep because there's like, man, I got to go to sleep right now because I got to get up at 430. But it's only 830 and I need eight hours to perform at my best. But like, fuck, I need, I need to get this shit done. You know, so sometimes I gotta sacrifice sleep, but it irritates me that I have to. They need to get rid of that already. I feel you, and, and I and I also, you know, as a side note, uh, I don't want to downplay the. You know, you have to hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. If if you want to get up, if you want to do the sniper adventure challenge, if you just want to feel better during the day and work it out, you you have to hold yourself accountable. But I also don't want you. I don't want to end this podcast without saying that you are inspirational to a lot of us, right? The close group of friends, your team members, everybody, you know, all of us that goes, well, shit, you know, it, not the whole, you know, what would Tyler do? But, you know, Tyler's out there grinding. 
I should be able to grind too. I need to get my ass up and do it too. If Tyler's waking up at whatever time he's getting up and going on a hike and doing this, that, or the other thing, like I could at least do half of that. Yeah. So, you know, finding people that, that can motivate you too is also big. Well, I hope I do. I hope I definitely motivate people. I would say like four years ago, what I say, 178 pounds? Mm-hmm. Dude, I hadn't run fucking forever. Like, I was not in the shape that I left the military. And then I was like, oh, I got to get in shape. I fucking took off jogging. I get a half mile, dude. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then just just every day I had to keep chipping at it. Like, I got to do this half mile. I got to do this half. Next week I'm going to do a fucking mile, man. Next week I'm going to do a mile. And then it got to the point where I'm like, I'm doing seven, eight, nine miles, and I feel fine. And... What it came down to was like, one, I can't get discouraged. I can't get discouraged because I'm not capable right now of doing what I used to be able to do. I just have to keep chipping at it, right? Setting small goals and reaching those goals. But then two is like realizing that as people, we are such creatures of habit, right? Like, which hand do you wipe your ass with? When's the last time you wipe your ass with your left hand? Try not to do it. I mean, like, that's a habit, right? You drink your coffee a certain way. Like, we have so many habits. And if you just force yourself to do whatever it is that you're trying to get better at, whether it's shooting, it's fucking pistol practice, like, you dry fire, like, like if you want to set a habit, you want to get up every morning at 4.30 and be more productive throughout the day, like, do it for two weeks. Do it for two weeks. Force yourself to do it for two fucking weeks and you will establish a habit that you just become used to, right? Like when I was starting to get up at 4.30, like six months ago, I wanted 4.30 to be no matter what. If it's Saturday, I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning because there's things that I could be doing, right? While the people that I want to compete against are sleeping, I want to be out working mm-hmm. them. So 4.30, no matter what day it is, I want to get up. And for the first two weeks, I'm like, fuck, Sunday. Why am I getting up at 4.30 in the morning on Sunday? And then now I don't even think about it. Now it's almost, it's annoying because I woke up this morning. I sat up. I'm like, what fucking time is it? And I just laid back down. I'm like, I'm just going to go to sleep until the alarm goes off. And then the alarm pops off. I'm like, mother <laughs> Like, for two minutes you couldn't sleep for two minutes before the alarm goes off like that's the level that i find myself at now because it's a habit because you've made it a habit yeah and and it's one of the things i I go back to is i watched a podcast with neil degrasse tyson and he doesn't have a phone case on his phone he's got a full-size iphone and he said over the over the months and years or whatever it's just changed the way he holds his phone and he never drops it. He doesn't need a case. Yeah. And so, you know, we we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations and we, we do things that aren't habit to cr- try to create habits. Eventually, they will become habit mm-hmm. and they'll change just what we do naturally and it won't be a thing that we're trying to do anymore. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. This is a great podcast. Yeah, man. Hey, it was good hanging out with good you. Good talking to you, brother. It Sounds like you know. construction. Are they on fucking launch or what? Are you yeah, going to go light a fire under that ass? I don't know, dude. There's so much construction going on here. It's, it's stupid. But hopefully it'll be done soon. And I can go back to relaxing. Right before winter comes. Yeah. What's winter like in California? I can't remember. It's a balmy 75 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll catch you later. Everybody else, thank you guys for watching, for listening. 
And uh, man, it was a good two hours. Well, you know what? You should go on our uh, social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, and and comment if you listen to the entire two plus hours. I just want to see <laughs> if there's more than one hand of people that are like. I listen to the end. Like, maybe you'll get a prize or a patch or some shit. We'll, we'll figure out something. All right, guys. Till next time. Catch you later. Peace. Appreciate it. And we're out.